Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And we have a special guest in the studio. You know him from such podcasts as the 3FN Podcast, 607TWS, The Wrestling Show. But you should more know him most notably as our football expert here at the ODPH Podcast, breaking down everything that is the NFL. And obviously with what happened this past weekend, we had to bring him on the show. Family of the 607 Podcast alum, dare I say, no other intro is needed. Welcome back to the show, the one and only Rich. What's up, ODPH Society? Glad to be back. Glad to talk some professional football. Yes, because we have a lot to dive into the world of sports, and there's no bigger story that we need to break down than the fallout from the NFL draft. But if you want to talk about anything else that we do, like movies, TV, comics, pro wrestling, and more, Pad, where do they go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You can swing on over there. Check out the T Public store where you never know when the sale's popping up. Great time to go get some ODPH swag. You can check out the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. The blog section under Parlay Points. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Oh, 520,000. Sounds about right to me. The Classified section, where you can find out more about the 3FN podcast, everything they're doing over there, Dragon Master Games, and so many of our other friends there. The links are all right there. It's boom. So simple. One click, one stop. There you go. The music section, where you can hear you know, such great music as Brian Wolf, who's doing a lot of things down in Austin, Texas lately. Shout out the Robots, Floodlands. The list goes on and on. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. As I alluded to, kicking off this edition of the sports show, we have to break down the weekend that was in the NFL because it was draft time where teams had the chance to rebuild their franchise or set them back if they made a bad call, depending on where they went. So let us recap the top 10. Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so the number one overall pick was from the Carolina Panthers, who, as I think both you and I predicted, they took Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. Rich, your thoughts on this? I mean, let's be honest. He was the consensus number one pick in the draft. I, I, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of his height. I mean, remember last year when we had you know Kenny Pickens or Pickens, and he was uh, his hands were too small. Yes. Now we have a, a short quarterback, and you know he's kind of a Kyler Murray type. Um, once again, I'm not crapping on the kid. I think he was a great number one pick as far as he has all the tools. We'll see how it translates in the NFL. Hopefully he's more uh, Donovan McNabb than he is uh, Kyler Murray, though. Facts. Pad? No, I mean, it's a good pick for Carolina. He's a great, he's a great, was a great quarterback in college, but we'll see how that translates to, uh, to the NFL. There's been plenty of quarterbacks over the years that have been great in college that just one reason or another never translated. Now, the thing working in his benefit is it's a new head coach. It's a new system. You know, he's got some time to learn it. You know, Andy Dalton, I believe, is there. You know, so in theory, he'll be starting while Bryce Young sits there and kind of soaks up everything about the NFL and learns the play schemes and learns the play style because it is an adjustment, as, you know, has been said before. But it is Carolina, and that fan base, you know, when you got the number one overall draft pick for that year's draft, 
the fan base ain't going to want to wait forever and a day like, you know, Green Bay did with Aaron Rodgers to, to see him in the game. Like, this is a win-now mentality. Like, we want to see a title come to this town. The likes of we ha- we haven't seen since Lord knows when if they've even ever won a Super Bowl. You know, so that's going to be the interesting thing is is how fast he does in the uh, he, he gets in the game. They have not won a Super Bowl. They have made it to a Super Bowl, and they lost yes. to your New England Patriots. Oh, Patriots I know that. Uh, however, they have not. But I, I to say this before Ken jumps in, I think that they're going to want him to – the fandom is going to want him to start game one. Oh, of course. I think he's going right in the fire. I think there's a couple other quarterbacks got drafted in this draft. They're going right in the fire. So we're going to find out. They're going to be battle-tested early. Now you can step to that occasion. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes comes to mind. He was battle-tested right away. Lamar Jackson was battle-tested right away. And these guys are two of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL to the, you know on this day. You know, and To an extent, you could say that about Josh Allen and Buffalo, mm-hmm. too. I mean, I know that technically he didn't necessarily come out the gates in the fire, but he did. You Close know what I mean? He was ba- he was battled enough. But still, he, he, that's what you do when you're the number one draft. Though you got to show and prove right away. In my opinion, you're not going to get picked by a team that can afford to sit you if you're number one. Let's just put this into perspective too, because this is a, a forgotten fact. Carolina did not have the number one pick. This is true. They got it from Chicago. They traded up mm-hmm. to get him. Yep. Right, but they weren't a great team to begin with. Right, right, right. But still. Where I'm going with this is they were fully sold on him being their face of the franchise. Right, and I think it had been reported either the day before or maybe two days before that they were set pretty unanimously internally as drafting him number one overall. Well, if you're going to trade and give up as much as they did, you have to. Like, you have to say this is our franchise guy for the next 10, 15 years. Easily. Can you say Herschel Walker? Yeah. Yeah, let's just remind folks what they gave up for this number one overall pick. So Chicago traded uh, its first-round pick this year to Carolina in exchange for wide receiver DJ Moore, Carolina's first and second-round selections this year, its first-round selection next year, and its second-round selection the year after that. By the way, way to go for Chicago. They didn't need a quarterback. Yeah. You know, they have their Justin Fields. Listen, he's proven enough to me mm-hmm. that they need to build around Justin Fields. And I'm glad that they made that decision because there was a, a moment where they thought about taking the pick. Yeah. And I just am really glad that they, they stuck behind Justin Fields. And that vote of confidence, I think, can be repaid because I do see a lot of big. Think about it. Justin Fields had nobody and he was still making stuff happen. Can you imagine if you put some people around him? Vastly underrated, in my opinion. He he showed up, and he literally put that team on his back and literally almost got him into a playoff spot. Almost. Oh, absolutely. A couple of good games go a different way. Yeah, we're talking a different story for them. But this goes all to Carolina, and the pressure is now on them because you literally sacrificed your team's future for Bryce Young. And this might be a hard pill for Panthers fans to swallow, but do you really see him being the next Cam Newton? Do you really see him being in the Jake DeLome range? Because those are the two quarterbacks that got you to a Super Bowl. I want to point this out, though. It's less of his talents. Where's your Steve Smith? Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. The problem is you now don't have the draft capital to necessarily go after the next Steve Smith, the next offensive weapons. You can be the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Look at Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Yeah. And if you ain't got anybody to throw it to, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And I'm not saying everybody in, you know, he had Lazard still and when he wasn't injured and everything like that, but he didn't have that straight number one 
you know, receiver this last season in Green Bay. No Devontae Adams, and we saw where that led, the Green Bay Packers. Well, and that's why you, if you're the Panthers, you have to hope you perform well and you're able to entice some free agents to come there in the offseason because, as I just read, with what they gave up in the in the trade, they're not going to, like you said, Rich. You not, have no future. You know, the only thing, you know, they're looking at their wide receiver core on ESPN.com, they've got Adam Thielen, who they signed as a free agent from Minnesota, but he, I'm sorry, he's not a number one guy. He's a number two, if anything else. You know, they've got DJ, uh, DJ Chark and then uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. You know, so I'm sorry, are any of those outside of Adam Thielen, you know, screaming as an I need this guy in fantasy type of type of vibe? No. Well, the crazy part is they gave up more. And that yeah. was that was one of their, their their I wouldn't say number one, but he was their top guy. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was a guy that was consistent. He's always been a great receiver. They gave him up <laughs> as part of the deal. Like, and if you don't think Chicago, and I know they're not in the same division or anything, but you don't think Chicago when they were getting it was like, listen, if you want that pick, you're gonna pay for it. We're gonna address some needs. They knew what they were doing, and they oh, were yeah. crazy enough to pay it because nobody else was going to pay it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you know came out after the draft that uh, the Raiders had contemplated it, but when they saw the price, they went, eh, no, we're yeah. good. Well, they, and I think there's other teams as well, but we found out after the draft the Raiders were actually serious about it until they realized how much you know Chicago wanted for the number one pick. And Chicago was smart about it. I think that they really took the time to weigh out the options here because obviously they could have kept the number one pick and done some things with it. They have enough needs on that team that that would have helped but with Carolina and perception is reality in my opinion I think they panicked to really make a splash oh yeah they literally sacrificed the future on a guy that is great in college but where did he play Alabama Alabama and let when is the last time we had a great quarterback come out of Alabama not good right great right you got to be beat. Exactly. Joe Namath, <laughs> Maybe. to be He's honest. He's the last one to win a Super Bowl, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you take a look at the – Starting, by the way. I'm not talking about somebody on the bench. I'm talking about starting. Right. That's the issue. And, and Tua is the big question mark because, obviously, his season last year was derailed because of injuries. We don't know. Right. Like, he could be the guy that was going to break the curse, so to speak. But you take a look at Mac Jones, good, yeah. not great. Yeah. You take a look at – the other ones throughout the years, like AJ McLaren, I AJ, believe. AJ McLaren's not even the little. Hey, yeah. he's, hey, he's in the he's in the XFL. XFL man. He almost made the playoffs there. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's why I say it goes back to scouts look at these players and really think like, oh wow, they're the ones leading this team. Alabama, I know we rip on them a lot on this show, but let's give the Devils their due. That is a finely tuned machine down there. Let's, let's, let's be honest. It's the only thing that doesn't translate to the NFL is the quarterbacks. Yeah. Alabama defensively, all their defensive players come Well, Not all. I shouldn't say all because there's always outliers. But think about it. When you bring in a defensive player from Alabama, it usually does well in the league. Running backs from Alabama have done very well. Mm-hmm. Receivers from Alabama. Exceptionally Really well. well. Really well. Some Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. you know, the very short time are going to be, you know, from the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, there's so many great things that come out. The offensive and defensive linemen are probably one of their biggest undersells. Like, if you look oh, at some yeah. of the best teams who yeah. have offensive linemen who are unsung heroes, and let's, let's be honest, a lot of them come out of Alabama. Yes. Alabama Don, has got Dante, a Dante Hightower, you know, retired just this offseason with one of our best linebackers we had for a good few years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Alabama produces everything but quarterbacks for the NFL, and maybe it's their system. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, there you go. Got their last good quarterback, Ken Stabler. 
We're going to head to look hey, up. Hey, Super Bowl eleven champion. All now, right. For the, for the then Oakland Raiders. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Joe Namath was technically before that. All right, fair enough. But, that, but it goes to show like there is a big gap. And yeah. especially under the Nick Saban era, we haven't seen a great Alabama quarterback translate to the pros. Well, here's no. the other thing. Nick Saban's not worried about translating things to the pros. Right. He's worried about winning in, exactly. in, in college football. And guess what? They do that very well. And the, like I said, yeah. and all these NFL scouts look at these quarterbacks and say, oh, wow, they're so great. <clears throat> it's like you really have to pause and think about it. Are they really the the deal they perceived or not? If you're thinking about it, the, the first guy in question about Hall of Fame, I know because his career's pretty much running its course right now, is Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. He came from Alabama. He also is you know a Nick Saban guy from Alabama. It, anybody, he made a lot of mediocre quarterbacks look amazing. Yeah. You know why? Because he's Julio Jones. Yeah. yeah. Like, he made a lot of mediocre quarterbacks look amazing in the NFL. Ask Matt Ryan. He got him a fat ca- contract a couple different times. And we all saw what happened with Matty Ice. Not so great. But once again, when Julio Jones was in his prime, he hit a lot of that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and even even last year when he was playing in, or was it, yeah, it was last year when he was playing for Tennessee, he made Tannehill look all right. And he's, and he's up in age there. I'll even give you a better example right now: Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, absolutely, and how yeah. much he's, he's helped Jalen Hurts. He's a he's, a, he's a younger guy. He's yeah, he's a younger guy. Once again, I'm saying the yeah. receiving core in Alabama is where you really make your and running backs, running backs. Because think about the running backs: about Josh, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs from the the Raiders most most recently, but mm-hmm. I've uh, tons of other, you know Darren McFadden. You know when he was good coming out. I mean, I don't know McFadden. You think Derrick no, Henry? Derrick Henry. There, sorry, why did I say McFadden? I was thinking uh, Henry. So yeah, Derrick Henry. Great player. I don't know. I have McFadden on the brain. Maybe because we mentioned Raiders. Raiders players and flops. Yeah. Oh, oh no. At least he's not Jamarcus Russell. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll have to wait to see how Bryce Young does. I like. I say I would not have taken him number one. I understand why they did. But the fact that you went all in, like this, is going to be something that weighs on your franchise for years to come. To close this out, I'm going to say it because I just mentioned the ghost of Jamarcus Russell, and I'm going to say this when. As a Raiders fan, I remember this. When we took Jamarcus Russell as the number one pick in the draft, everybody can lie about it. Mel Kuyper and everybody had him at the top of the board. Oh, yeah. Because the kid could throw 65 yards on a knee. And, you know, whatever, whatever. Once again, usually the consensus number one pick is not as good as they should be. Now, I wish this kid well. I hope Bryce Young comes in and tears the NFL up. I hope he's the next great quarterback. I hope that we see a resurgence in Carolina. I mean, it's not my favorite team, but I just hope all of this. Because I like good football, as we all know. At the end of the day, though, how many number ones really pan out? Let's mm-hmm. be honest. If you went by the number ones that panned out and the number ones that didn't pan out, it's more don't pan out. Exactly. Absolutely. And and unfortunately, we'll see. And he's going to have to be compared to some really strong gentlemen we're going to talk about in a minute because I don't think he was the best quarterback in this draft. I fully agree with you. And I think especially now with the spotlight being on these players for three days because as the draft is broken down, Thursday night was round one. Friday night was rounds two and three, and Saturday was rounds four through seven. And based out of Kansas City, you have a lot of pressure on you with the eyes of the sport world on you, and now you're going to be unfortunately judged because of where you were picked. Yeah. And now the pressure is really on Young to deliver with Adam Thielen, who, let's face it, when you have Justin Jefferson across from you, you can make up a lot of ground, and yeah. he also had stuff on Diggs. Thielen is not exactly a number one, in my opinion. He's a very serviceable wide receiver, but are you going to put up those same numbers, and can you capture that you know magic that you had up in Minnesota with the rookie quarterback? There's a lot of question marks that are going to be haunting this team, and I'm hoping they prove doubters wrong, me included, 
I just don't know. Like sitting here now today, I'm just saying I'm not. I'm just not sold on the pick. That's but right. next up, uh, next up was the Houston Texans who took C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. Well, you know, we'll start off by saying I, I think C.J. Stroud's one of the better quarter, one of the top two quarterbacks that was in this draft, and I don't think that Bryce Young was one or two, and we'll get to the other one in a minute. C.J. Stroud's got a lot, has got a big upside. I did make the joke draft night to you gentlemen in our chat that I said, uh, I don't know if he's crying because he got drafted or if it's because he's going to Houston. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. However, from what we're going to talk about in a minute, once again, I, this will kind of wrap up in a minute here. I think Houston's trying to win. Yeah. And I do think this is a good pick. I like his tools. Once again, I'm going to give it the credit, the benefit, the same thing I said about Bryce Young. We haven't seen him on an NFL field. Do I think he's better equipped on an NFL field than Bryce Young? Yes, I do. However, however, he's got to prove it on the field. And they're going to have a lot of questionable in the receiving core. I know they're going to probably try to get some guys in and all that stuff out there. However, I think you can't get any more rock bottom than the Houston Texans. So there's only one way to go is up. So I think the pressure is going to be a lot, a lot more lenient on CJ Stroud going forward. No, I mean, the pick makes all the sense, in the, <clears throat> all the sense in the world for the Houston Texans. You know, they've got a God, they had a God awful season last year, three, 13 and one, you know, they got, they had Davis Mills, Case Keenum and EJ Perry as their quarterback. So I didn't think they'd take a quarterback, but listen, I'm not, that's why I'm not in the front office. You know, it makes sense for them. You know, it's clearly a win now mentality because ever since they came in the league, they've never had a lot of success and you got to figure that fan base with how well the, the, the asterisks are doing, you know, you got the Houston Rockets who do pretty well every year. You know, you got that football team sitting there since, you know, 2002 going, all right, what the fuck you done for me lately other than host a couple of Super Bowls. So you got to figure ownership and, and front office is going, all right, we need to change this culture now. And hopefully CJ Stroud coming from Ohio state, you know, and, and can bring a winning mentality in there. You know what they did? They had the most famous, Missed field goal of all time when they kicked the field goal in the stands for the number one pick. Yeah. That's what yeah. Houston Texans have done. Oh, man. Where to go from here? Houston is just bad. So <laughs> we knew they were going to take a quarterback. I was surprised Shroud was taken here. I really was. But he will be serviceable for Houston for what they need. The benchmark is very low because Houston is that bad mm-hmm. that anything that resembles – a possibility of being good is worth taking the shot. Straub will definitely help, and especially they have not had a great quarterback since Deshaun Watson, and let's face it, since that whole fallout with him, DeAndre Hopkins, and Bill yeah. O'Brien, and just we'll just call it the mess yeah. in Houston. Yeah. When that debacle happened, that really set this franchise back, and they've never been able to recover. So now you're in a situation where you're rebuilding. Stroud could be the guy. He could be. I liked him better than who I originally thought they were going to take. So I think that he'll make an impact there. But I think for him, there's really, as weird as it sounds, there's no pressure on him because of where he got drafted. No. And I think that he can go in there, and if he fails, well, he's he's on Houston anyway. We'll blame it on the team. We'll blame it on this. Right. So... He is probably walking into the easiest pressure number two spot in recent memory, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I I think that the the bar is so low that it's going to be easy for him. Once again, though, I I think he's got a a big talented upside. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree, too. Like, physically, I think he's going to do some things down there. 
He kind of reminds me, you know, of of somebody that can take over a game if he needs to. It just depends on what <laughs> weapons he has around him. Right. If you're comparing him to somebody in the league, I think he's more like a Jalen Hurts kind of player. Thank you. Yes. Sure. I don't think he's as. I'm not saying he's as good as Jalen no, no, Hurts no, no. for Phys- everybody no, out physical there. Physical tools. But I mean, physical tools, kind of size, the way he plays the game, the way he sees the game. I think he's more like a Jalen Hurts. Uh, once again, I don't think he's better than Jalen Hurts because let's be honest, there's not many that are. Mm-hmm. He's got to be in that conversation. Should have been MVP of the league last year. I'm still on that horse. Jalen Hurts should have been. No, MVP. I, I don't think we're debating that at all. No, I think no. he, that's a unanimous decision as far as six or seven podcast is concerned but i think for stroud though this will be an interesting test for him especially if if he can lead them somehow to like a 500 record this year i think it's our it's the draft pick will pay dividends it's gonna be the tools shit even one game below 500 hell hell, even even something that they can just grasp onto but it's gonna be the tools around him hopefully they bring in some people uh next up was supposed to be the arizona cardinals however they traded that pick to the houston texans who uh they so the cardinals traded its first and fourth round selections to houston in exchange for its first and second round selections plus a 2024 first round first and third round selections so houston jumped right back in and wasted no time drafting will anderson jr linebacker from alabama well, you know what, man? I'm going to tell you this. This is what I said about earlier. They got aggressive. I got to give it up to the Texans. You're trying to build a team now. You're not trying to wait a couple years in the draft. I understand they're probably going to still be rebuilding, but they're going to have to do some stuff during free agency as well. Guess what? You got to go to anchor in your offensive side in C.J. Stroud, and I'm going to tell you, Will Anderson, that's a great anchor on your on your defensive side. He's a linebacker that can change the game. He is a, definitely a big-time game-changer. I was surprised that he was on people's draft boards lower. Yeah. Like, that was impressive to me that he was so low. And I have zero problems with the Texans coming up to number three and getting Will Anderson. If they can keep both of those guys and both of those guys can progress, keep your eyes on the Texans in the next two to five years on being a top-tier team. No, I mean, this man, this was a great steal for Houston to jump right back in there almost immediately after. And they listen, I've said it before, I've said, I'll say it again. Alabama, the last 10 years or so, has produced some great linebacker talent in the NFL, and you listen, like we mentioned with the Houston Texans record being god-awful last year, if you're going to give up a lot of points, you need to clearly do something to tool, rework that defense, and I think adding Will Anderson Jr. is a great first step. This is a, a brilliant move, and I thought Houston might have t- gone for him if they didn't go for a quarterback at number two. I am I was really shocked they traded back in, but I, want, I, I really think that they wanted to send a message to their fan base like, we're done being a joke. And we're back to playing football. And we're back to winning football. Anderson is a great fit for this team. Anderson is going to come in there and be the face of that defense, which they haven't had one since J.J. Watt, let's be honest. And if he can produce at a, at a serviceable level, which I think he's going to go above that, I really think that they could turn things around in a year or two. Just the only thing mm-hmm. that they're going to need to get lucky is if they have some diamonds in the rough later in this draft, which I, I don't know. I'm going to, Time will tell. Time will tell. But I think next year's free agency, I think if they show that they're on the cusp of making the turn, I think they could get some players in there and really make a decent run. Right. I mean, this is this is a division where you need to make a splash because you look at the other you got uh, Trevor Lawrence down there in Jacksonville. You've got Tennessee trying to turn it around. You've got Indianapolis trying to turn it around. Oh, by the way, that's without mentioning all of the other quarterbacks in the quarterback stacked conference that is the AFC. Yeah. You know, this this is a conference where defense is great and all. But you need a quarterback to lead you down the field to score points to keep up with the other team on the off chance that your defense can't hold up and can't stop the other quarterback because Josh Allen, Tua, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, you know, Deshaun Watson, if he's 
got <laughs> if he's got his head on straight. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, there's a lot of lethal dudes with arms in that in that conference. Well, I'm going to throw this is another reason why I like this double shot pick for them at two and three and trading up because not only did they address that and have a quarterback in the helm that could be attractive to people coming into Texas, how. The other part is the defensive side. You're right. You have a lot of guys, but you still need to throw a defense at them. And I think mm-hmm. Will Anderson's a good piece to start off on getting that next-level defense for that team. And once again, that's going to be an attractive piece for other people to want to come in the mix. And I think that they did really well there. I think that their, their first two draft picks and moving up for that here in two and three in this draft was perfect for them. They got the best of both worlds. Christ almighty, they needed to upgrade their defense. I pulled up their Houston mm-hmm. Texans website, and it's got there because the schedule hasn't come out yet, but I've got their list of opponents. Right. So their home games are the Arizona Cardinals, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Bucks, Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Titans. And then on the road, they're playing the Falcons, Panthers, Ravens, Bengals, Jets, Colts, Jaguars, and Titans. I just want to throw it out there. Never have I seen an easier home schedule, but the away schedule is brutal. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely a true. Brutal. Yeah. Because there's a couple teams with not quarterbacks that they're playing at home. But uh, as of right now, as of recording time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that away schedule. Whew. It's atrocious, but Whew. you know, we'll see what this team is really made of. But They're going to be cast in fire real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So, And that's what they need to do, though. I really think they need to get rid of the lingering shadow of the mess and really get back to football basics. And it, and from these draft picks that they did, I really think they, they took a, a step in the right direction. How it pans out, we will just have to wait and see. Uh, next up was the fourth overall pick, which the Indian, Indianapolis Colts took Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. Oh, man, I'll tell you this. This was my favorite quarterback in this draft. I think that athletically, the physicality, he is the uh, equivalent uh, if you're going by this day and age of the new new age Lamar Jackson, that's his upside. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's as good once again as Lamar Jackson. Right. I'm just saying his upside is Lamar Jackson. It, we'll get to a downside in a second because unfortunately, I don't. I feel bad for Anthony Richardson because he's going to Indianapolis, the most boring team as we've talked about in all of football. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing in an athletic, mobile quarterback when you already have a great running back in Jonathan Taylor. So now. They can just stack the line yeah. and blitz, and we're, he's going to have to beat you with his arm. He can beat people's arm, hence why I compared him to Lamar, because he does have an arm. He has a strong arm. He's very accurate as well. He's got a great build. So his upside is great. He's just, I don't think that he's in the right system. And unfortunately, and take this for what you will, minus injuries, I think that unfortunately this could make him the next uh, RG3. Mm. And remember, mm. RG3 had great upsides. Tremendous, and he was a great quarterback. Wrong franchise, yeah. Wrong team, and then injury kept in. Without the injuries, even though it was the being on Washington, and I unfortunately I think that's going to be what Anthony Richardson runs into because he's on a team where they, and it's not even just about them being flashy. Can they build an offense around him? Can they build an offense around enough? Because you're not going to be able to play action because mm-hmm. teams are already going to put people in the box because they're going to be defending against Jonathan uh, Taylor. Taylor. So, therefore, you're not going to be able to play action really that much. So, what does that leave you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you need to get weapons for receivers because they don't really have any weapons on the receiver end. Let's be honest. Yeah. None, mm-hmm. none that are making me shake in my fucking boots at least. Yeah. 
So like it's going to be a rough one for this kid, man. Rough. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, the Colts have been looking for a starting quarterback since about 2019. And that was when uh, Andrew Luck left the team. You know, they've gone through Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, and Nick Foles. You know, so and, and they got lucky with Andrew Luck because they've been looking for a quarterback since Peyton Manning left years before. You know, so they're obviously looking for a quarterback. They've got Minshew Mania up there. They've got Nick Foles and, and some, uh, Sam Ellinger, which... Minshew and Foles are fine, you know, for a season, you know, to bridge the gap, but they're Great not backups. Yeah, they're backups. You know, they're not the guy. So Anthony Richardson makes all the sense in the world for them to pick up. They've got the new head coach up there in uh, Shane Steichen, you know, who was previously uh, the offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. They've also got a new offensive coordinator there who was previously the uh, gentleman by the name of Jim Bob Cooter, C-O-O-T-E-R, who last season was the passing game coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So new head coach, new offensive coordinator, New new system. We'll see how it goes. I well, mean, for Anthony Richardson, a lot of upside, I think. Well, Coach Cooter had a good eye. I'm going to throw that yeah. uh, All joking aside, though, I think it, I'm going to agree with you that it was a great pick for Indianapolis. I just don't think it's the right pick for Anthony Richardson. Ken? I think it's the worst landing spot Richardson could have had because he's not going to have enough time to really develop because of the points Rich was making, too. I, I fully agree with him. Right. The fact you have a mobile quarterback – and you're now having Jonathan Taylor, who's your all-pro running back. That's, you're going to be having so many defenses stacking the box against you that you're going to have to make quick decisions, and you're not going to have that time to develop right. the speed of the NFL properly. And I think he's going to struggle, unfortunately, coming out of the gate. Indianapolis is not a flashy team by any means. We, we've already established this. We've already said this. They are the most boring team in football. Teams know... the unless they really open up the playbook and do something completely Mm -hmm. crazy this year, you know what you're getting out of them. And you're now going to make a rookie quarterback come in and test his arm against defenses that are just going to be waiting on him to make a mistake because you're going to give him so much pressure he's not going to know what to do with it. And I feel that to properly develop him, he's going to have to sit a year in in Indianapolis He's not. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to. No. With what they have up there, I'm sorry. No. As much as I love Gardner Mitchell, it, it's not enough time. No, it's not. You know, any other franchise, I'd say, you, you know, there's a chance he sits a year, but it's Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles. Like, yeah. This this is going to be the scenario where he starts game one. So now that I've given you my my professional view of this, I was also upset about the Anthony Richardson thing because. A, he was my favorite quarterback in the draft. I think he's a tremendous quarterback. Also, if Indy doesn't take him, he's probably going to be the quarterback for the, my Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. Uh, because we didn't take a quarterback because we didn't have, there wasn't any good ones available. That's right. I said it. You can, you can quote me on Will Levis and all those other ones not being good. Oh, we'll they talk about him we'll, later. We'll talk about that later. However, Richardson, because you know what? Uh, Seattle's not taking a quarterback. They're not. They're not. No, they no, have their quarterback. No. And Arizona definitely hasn't taken a quarterback after they just paid theirs a ton of money. So I'm like, okay, if we get past Indy, the Raiders are going to be in uh, the uh, the Anthony Richardson fucking camp. And no. And see, the perfect fit there, and here's where I'm going to go in, and I'm not just a fan, it would have been a great pick for him in Vegas. Know why? Because he could sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because there is weapons there. Yeah. There is there yeah. is Hunter Renfro. There is Devontae Adams there. There is Josh Jacobs there in the backfield. So, therefore, he could have fit into that scheme a lot better and, if need be, could have sat behind Garoppolo for a full season. Yeah. 
that's, if need be. That's what he needed to do. And unfortunately, he's not going to get that chance. No, because Indianapolis, let's face it, has been a little bit spoiled with having Peyton Manning for all those years, having Andrew Luck for a couple of years. That you know, and they they were fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. You know, but that is a city that wants to see another title brought to that town. You know, because clearly the Pacers aren't going to do it anytime soon. Hey, 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 you know, but they want to see another title, another Super Bowl brought to that town, and it's been far too long. And they're let's be honest, they're hanging too many participation banners in the rafters. You want to know what? I'm going to tell you this in, in closing before we move to the next pick. If they want uh, a, a, any kind of football championship, they better seek an XFL or USFL team in Indianapolis because it ain't happening anytime soon, brother. Ooh. Not wrong though. No, in my opinion. I like I say, I, I fully agree, and, and and that's the sad thing because. Indianapolis is very solid. They're very old school. But Richardson landing there is not the person that's going to lead him there, unfortunately, because of the situation he's in. They're right. a team that doesn't have an identity. Yeah. And that's the problem. They need to find an identity. And maybe they can build one. Maybe we're all wrong. And once again, I'm going to say this again, but I mean this for every pick. If I'm wrong about a pick, I'm happy. I'm happy for any team with the exception of the Kansas City Chiefs, that, yeah. <laughs> that does well. I'm, I'm happy for any team that does well. And, and I'm hoping everybody, because I want to watch good football at the end of the day. Once again, and the Kansas City Chiefs only because they're a rival of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. However, however, you know, I don't mind watching them do good either. I just want to get a root for them, period. I think we all have those teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, do- you're Dolphins hater. Oh, I, I fully admit that. <laughs> And uh, Padawan Jay, is a, he's a, he's a Patriots I, fan. He's he's I a hater a, of everybody. I Thirty-one have, no, teams. No, no, <laughs> yeah. I got I got no. I don't really have anything against the Bills or the Raiders. You know, there's a, there's a couple teams I don't like. Yeah, there's there's some out there. There's, probably, a, there's a couple. Probably Kansas City, right? Uh, I believe is a team that plays in East Rutherford that's not named the Jets. That's one. Ooh, I think that's everybody in this room though. That's one. Yes, that's because we team we're from, from Fe- New York. Team from Philly's another one. Ooh, really? I, listen, I can't stand fucking. Philly. Well, there was a certain reason they only mentioned Gardner Minshew. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. So, well, come on, it, Jalen Hurts is great. Yeah, but 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 you know, the, but the thing <laughs> hey, is, hey, listen, I love Jalen Hurts. He wanted, he led me to a, a fantasy victory. fantasy championship. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't be mad about that. And, be and, you know what, and honestly, that's all Richardson's going to be doing in the next couple of years is he's going to have garbage time minutes because unfortunately, Indianapolis doesn't have enough weapons around him to really see him grow. And I, I'm hoping he proves me wrong. I really do. As a as a Florida Gators fan and. I really hope he does well, but I think worst landing spot possible. They, yeah. they better get some weapons in there. So Absolutely. Good, this yeah. offseason is going to be telling. Yeah. There's already some pieces that fell, though, unfortunately. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Uh, next up was the fifth overall pick, which the Seattle Seahawks took Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. This was a great pick. Yeah. Listen. You've gotten, and mind you, I don't know uh, what you know. Pete Carroll is tapped into. He is a great coach. Let's be honest, but I don't know what he's tapped into up in Seattle. But I know what I think. I think I know where he's going. I think he wants to rebring back the Legion of Boom, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a great piece to start that. Uh, very physical cornerback, not just a good coverage quarterback. This is a kid that can run off the edge. He can blitz. He can tackle in the open field. I mean, this is this is a great pick. This is. Pretty much the next generation, Richard Sherman. Yeah. And I think that uh, this was a great pick. I, I thought this was a tremendous pick for the Seahawks. And as soon as they made that pick, I just went, man, fucking Pete Carroll's putting together something special up there. I Once again, I'm still not completely sold on, on the quarterback situation up there. Although, hey, go with the hot hand. I'm, I'm, I'm with him keeping his job. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there was anybody in this draft that they could have taken. Because you yeah, know you could have taken, agree. I could have argued them taking Richardson. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to, but I could have argued. Yeah, them you taking could. It. You could see that. Or C.J. Stroud, if he fell, I could argue that. However, which would have been nice because you could have sat him behind. After they those pieces were gone, 
He they did the the best thing possible, and I think this is a great pick. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. This was a fantastic pick for Seattle. Their offense is pretty well set. Like you said, the only thing they might need to worry about is quarterback. But like you said, there there's really not much there to like. Oh, this is the guy you want to pick, you know. And on the other side with the offensive weapons, hello DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you know, and they eventually later in the draft uh, traded, uh, not traded, drafted uh, Jackson Smith you know, from Ohio State, you know, which Christ all goddamn mighty, putting him on the opposite side of the field with DK Metcalf. Fuck. Well, think about it. That kid's going to be a slot receiver, yeah. possibly. Oh, <laughs> it's scary. You know, and then they've got Noah Fon at the tight end. So they're pretty well set on offense. Offensive line might need some tooling, but you can get that later in the draft. You don't need to take an offensive tackle in the first round. You know, so clearly defense was going to be the focus there. And getting a, getting a guy like Devin Witherspoon is phenomenal. And I agree with you 100%. You know, Seattle, when they were at their best, was the Legion of Boom. It was nice when you had Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch there, but what won them those games? That defense. And that's what they're going to try and rebuild. I, yeah, I thought defense was the way to go. I was surprised they took cornerback because I thought they were going to take Carter. I did, but there was all that questions about yeah. him, so I get why he fell a little bit. But I really think that the I think that Carroll's going back in the bag and what got him there. And if yeah. you think about the Legion of Boom, yeah, they had great you know linebackers and defensive linemen. But what was the real selling point? The safeties and corners. Mm-hmm. And when you can find a player that's comparable to Richard Sherman, yeah, I'm 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 all for it. No, I thought Witherspoon was a very solid pick. Uh, he was my number two cornerback on the draft, but still, I was thinking this is a brilliant move for them, especially because. I, I agree with you. I think Carroll wants to get back to the glory days, and that glory days is centered around a hard-nosed defense that is not afraid to hit you, and that's where they're going with. Their offense is fine. Geno Smith has earned the right to have another full year, and then you know if he, if it was a one-hit wonder last year, then they'll readjust in the offseason. But why why try fixing it if it's not broken? Well, here's the other thing. They're playing with house money. Yeah. Because you give Geno Smith, he earned the right for the year, and he played oh, yeah. his ass off, right? Here's the thing. He's also got some of the sexiest weapons out there. Yes. So you know how easy it's going to bring in to bring in a quarterback to Seattle? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Any free agent, if you have a free agent quarterback next year and you see Geno Smith doing bad, you know what? You need to worry about your quarterback because they're going to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I put money on it. Oh, especially the numbers that Geno Smith's going to put up this year with those receivers. Any quarterback that thinks they're better than Geno Smith is going to look at those numbers and go, shit, I can do better than that. Well, here's the thing. I think Geno Smith's going to have a blowout year because of those receivers. So I don't think we're even – but I'm saying let's say he doesn't. Let's yeah. say it's whatever. And, but just that receiving core, if I'm a quarterback and I'm coming up on free agency, I'm like, I'm taking that Seattle job. Trevor Lawrence on free agency yet? Uh, no, I don't no, think so. I don't even know who would be on free agency next year, but I'm just saying if you're a co- you, need to, you need to lock your quarterbacks down. If they have a fifth-year option, you need to lock them down because they're going to be eyeballing Seattle. I'm, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, I think you have to because if you have a quarterback that's on the bubble if he wants to stay with your team or not, mm. and especially if you've been in a situation – I just bring up Lawrence just because he's been in Jacksonville – Sure, last season they were finally resurging, and let's say they falter again this year, just for reasons. I could see a caliber player like him going there. Oh, absolutely. And I think that this is going to put some pressure on Gino. But the one thing that we saw is Gino has risen to the occasion, and with the weapons he has, he should be fine. And if you can have somebody on the defensive side of the ball to really be a lockdown corner, especially in the division you play in, that's an even better fit. 
So it looks like uh, Trevor Lawrence will not become an unrestricted free agent until 2026. He's currently in the middle of a four-year deal, and obviously there's uh, there's a blank whole blank in his thing on Spotrack.com for 2025. My guess is there's the team option okay uh, for 2025, so he won't be a free agent until 2026. In terms of the free agent quarterbacks uh, in the 2024 season, I'm not going to go through all the names. This this is just listed by their average annual value for 2023. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky, Tyrod. Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, Colt McCoy, Garner Minshew, Nick Foles. Just oh, to name oof. a few. That's not a good class. But I'll tell you what, there's also going to be a good class of uh, quarterbacks coming out of college next year, too. Yeah, no, so, next year's class is a lot better than this year's. If, if for, here's the scariest thing that happened. For some reason, even if Geno does really good and somehow Seattle stumbles and they get an early draft pick, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a dominant team again. Uh, our our friend dog will be very happy. The yeah. resurg- they will be uh, they will be dominant. The resurgence of Seattle is in full effect. Mm-hmm. Just when you when you draft somebody, I know we're not going to go that far, but when you draft somebody like Smith, and knowing that he's going to be your third receiver, and he never has to be a one or two, yeah, never has to be because Metcalf and Lockett are just kind of locked into that position. Ah, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be t- it's a good thing to have. Yeah, I'm. Hey, if you're a Seattle fan. Get ready for a decent season. When we do the preview, I'm I'm going to tell you what. They're going to be high on that uh, NFC West list. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, next up with the sixth overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals took Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle from Ohio State. Uh, yes, and they uh, got that uh, from the Rams through Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting back to where I end. Uh, listen, I'm going to be honest. They did need line. Was, you yeah. know, yeah. The, the thing was with Kyler Murray is he was not being protected at all. I mean, that's how he ended up injured. That's how, you know, we ended up with some. They had some tools and, and you know, offensive tools, and they should have been way better than they were. I'm glad that they addressed the line. Once again, they're not going to take a quarterback. Once again, I think all the, be- the good quarterbacks were gone from the draft, unless somebody really shocks us like a Brock Purdy that we weren't even counting on. Right. And that happens at times, hence Brock Purdy. Uh, but at the same point in juncture, I mean, it was what they needed. I would have liked to see them take Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand why teams were passing, but I think that uh, I think I would have liked to anchor that line first uh, if I was them. This is another team that I think missed the ball there. However, they did address a need. So, and uh, speaking of a need, I think he's a great. Uh, offensive li- a tackle. I mean, offensive tackle is a hard position to play, and he's one of the best in college. So, good pick. No, yeah, it made all that made all the sense on world wires on a pick. Down. Listen, Kyler Murray's known for two things: chucking the ball downfield in hopes that somebody's down there, and running his ass off because his life is on the line. You know, and listen, that's great and all for the first couple of years you're in the league, but after a while, you know, the tires start to wear out, and you're not able to do that no more. You know, so better to stave off that portion of his career now and get an offensive line around him. So it made sense. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's just a puzzling team because they need help almost everywhere, and especially with a lot of uncertainty with Kyler Murray and whatever's going on with DeAndre Hopkins. There's just so many question marks you can do there. But the offensive line has been something that they have not had the best track record of fixing in their draft. So I'm hoping this works out for them. But I, I thought Jalen Carter would have been a better fit for them here. But mm-hmm. Arizona's, like I said, they got a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And obviously, it'll be a little bit of a changeover this year. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to go back to the old school Cardinals where it's like 3 and 13. But this is something that I think will help them. And I hope it works out for them because if Kyler Murray has another season where he's just running and throwing downfield, hoping and, and praying, it's going to be a long season in the desert. Just saying. Uh, next up was the seventh overall pick, which the Las Vegas Raiders drafted Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech. 
Well, I will say this. Uh, I, before we get a front, uh, the Jalen Carter thing does not apply for the Raiders. Reason being is that we need to stay away from any trouble pick, period. Uh, if you don't understand, uh, if you, in case you've been living under a rock, there's been a lot of trouble picks for the Raiders. As a matter of fact, uh, coming out the day that we record, Henry Ruggs has been sentenced to between three and ten years for his uh, DWI murder. Uh, so therefore, <laughs> I think we need to stay away from trouble picks. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the best. I don't think the, I think Jalen Carter is going to work out just fine. But I, I was kind of like, eh, guys there. I, I messaged Ken M because I was nervous. And I was like, this is where we're going to take that Will Levis guy. And I'm going to be fucking heated because we don't need to be touching a bad quarterback. So when we took Tyree Wilson, my first acknowledgement was I didn't know who he was. Because he wasn't this, a sexy name on the, right. on the board. He really wasn't. And then I went, oh, who's in charge of the Raiders front office these days? They're all former Patriots. They're going to figure out the non-sexy yep. pick to take. Yep. And then I started watching film on this kid. And holy shit. First of all, he's listed as a defensive end, but he's really an edge player. Yep. So that means he can play outside linebacker. He can play defensive end. He He's just a guy who gets the ball. If you, you, you run it, you try to get the pass, he's going to get your quarterback. He's going to get your running back. That's what he does. And he's fast. He's big and fast. My whole thing after seeing this, I think it's a great pick because there was some struggles last year. Uh, you know, Chandler Jones had a had an off season. Uh, they did restructure his deal, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, on the other side of that, you know, we were still left with just having Mad Max Crosby, and uh, he did what he could do, but. They could double down on him since Chandler was struggling. Now, with this, I feel like you have two legitimate ends, and now we can start moving Chandler around. And by that, I mean now we can do what we were thinking they were going to do last season. Instead of making Chandler a full-time defensive end, he can now go back to being a a left outside or right outside linebacker, line up behind Max Crosby, and I think that that's going to be an advantage for the Raiders. And I think that's what they're thinking, because now you're going to have to block down this kid who's quick around that edge, and you're going to have to block down Max Crosby, who's a proven problem in the back you know even when he's not getting sacks he's disrupting plays we saw it last season too max crosby's phenomenal and now also with this tyree wilson kid he gets to play on the same team as max crosby Mm -hmm. this is going to be possibly a really good you know (coughs) threat and it's going to really help it out because we just be honest we're in a murderer's row division as as pad point on the (laughs) afc and you need to put pressure on these quarterbacks and what better way than to have you know, more pieces. So I, I do like this pick after doing my research. I like the pick on draft night. I was kind of like, what the fuck are we doing here? But hey, I think it was a good pick overall. No, it's a great pick for the, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're, listen, they're pretty well set on offense, as we all well know, you know, and with no other great quarterbacks, you know, that was sitting around, you know, it made all the sense to go defense. So add to that defense and really stack it up and hopefully improve from last year. Hey, makes sense to me. I was so hoping they did not take Will Levis at this pick, and I was so happily relieved when I heard it was defense. Just because the offense of the Raiders is fine. Now with Jimmy Garoppolo, who is an upgrade from Derek Carr, they still have all their weapons for the most part intact. I know uh, Darren Waller is now with the Giants, so yes. that's not going to really impact him too much because he was very injury-prone when he was with the Raiders. So I don't think that that's going to be a game-breaker for them. However, this pick flew under my radar because I'll be honest, I didn't have him this high, but going on to some mock drafts and seeing some of the quote unquote analysts, they had him at number two. I saw that. Actually, I was kind of surprised. There was a few different people who had him very high. Yeah. They literally had him as the number two pick. And a lot of analysts were saying you're sleeping on him because you don't see him on TV a lot. 
But this kid has got all the tools in the world to take over games. And I'll be honest, that's why I was sleeping on him because mm-hmm. I didn't see him a lot on television. But I'll tell you what, like I said, I caught up real quick, got got in there, like, seeing what he was doing. I was like, wow, this is this is a big kid, and he moves real fast. And I'm like, this is this is a good pickup. And like I said, I I, I have faith in that front office now because, like I said, they came from most of them came from New England. Yeah, and we understand that they uh, somehow you know they learned from the uh, draft whisperer. Yes, how to uh, draft some that nobody's ever heard of and get the most out of them. I mean, let's be honest. It happens time and time again. I mean, unless you argue about the Belichick-Mac Jones situation. but I mean, listen, Bill Belichick's known for two things, hoodies and obscure draft picks. They work out, though. Yeah. Yeah. None of them are – a lot of times they're not megastars, but they work out. They play. (laughs) They play. Yeah. You don't have to be a megastar to win. Mm -hmm. That's that's the whole key. You got to be a winner. And I think the Raiders reflect that with their picks this year. And I I think with this one at number one – for them, Wilson is going to be somebody that they want to really shore up that defense, and especially him and Crosby getting pressure on the edge so the Patrick Mahomes of the world are not going to have enough time to sit back and throw. The Justin Herberts, I think, are going to struggle a little bit. And then, I mean, Denver, let's ride. <laughs> no, well, enough said there. I, I will say this. I, I Going on, because I know we're going to talk about some things briefly, but I'll say this because the Raiders said I'm not going to bring them back up again because I, I think we had a decent draft and one nothing to write home about, if you will. Honestly, the only thing I think we really threw away a pick on, and I I, I shouldn't say threw away because I think the kid is, is good, is uh, Trey Tucker. Wide receiver picked him at number 100 overall. And the reason why is because we have enough fucking receivers. Yeah. He's like the ninth or tenth receiver on the roster. Yeah. Like, like, and I'm not saying like where he falls in the depth charts. That's just, we have nine or ten receivers on the Raiders. I, I don't think it was needed. Uh, but I, I think everything else, tight end, trying to replace tight ends, linebackers, defense, safeties. I mean, yeah, I think it's good picks. Uh, next up was the eighth overall pick, which the Atlanta Falcons took Bijan Robinson running back from Texas. Oh, go for it, guys. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta is lost. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put this in the same. I think B. John Robinson is a great running back. I do believe he was the best running back in this draft. Yes. So I just want to throw that out there. Very talented. Unfortunately, just like Anthony Richardson, I think he just ended up in the wrong program. Atlanta is a team that does not have an identity. And I don't think, and I'm once again, I'm glad they didn't throw out there and try to get a Will Levis just because there was a quarterback available. So I'll give them all the credit in the world for that. However... <laughs> Uh, you don't have a solid quarterback. You don't really have a solid receiving core. You you do address a running back here, but can you build the team around the running back? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. And their line isn't great. I, I I feel bad for him, but I think he was the best running back, and I think it was a good pick. I just feel bad for B. John Robinson. <laughs> I know. I agree with everything you said. It's it's the best pick Atlanta could make because Atlanta needs everything, including the kitchen sink. You know, quarterback, not great. <clears throat> Wide receiver core, eh, and Drake London's there, which was the number one pick they had last year, so what's he done? Uh, and Kyle Pitts is there as their starting tight end, which was built as a sexy pick, but what the fuck has he done since he's made it in the league? Sorry, not much. You know, so it's great for him in that he's going to get a shitload of touches this first year. But will that even be for anything meaningful, or is it just going to be like half-yard, one-yard gains? Yeah, we'll see. You know, it sucks for him, and we'll see what happens. Um, Atlanta, yeah. I mean, like, in all honesty. We broke Atlanta, let's face it. Yeah. 28-3. to Atlanta still has got to get over that Super Bowl hangover that is still looming over this team. Robinson is a great running back, but when have we seen that? top 10 running back takeover teams and really 
in in, in recent years. Like it's kind right. of it's kind of fallen off. You could argue Saquon Barkley. You could argue that. Yeah. However, the Giants weren't super good. Yeah. But that's the only thing. Like I think the number one running backs in the top ten haven't panned out over the years. And not saying Robinson is a bust. I don't want that coming off that way. Because if I'm not wrong, Derrick Henry was round two, right? Yeah. He wasn't a first rounder. Like that, I, don't, yeah. I don't believe he was first round. He wasn't. I don't think he was a first rounder at all. Uh, so, yeah. And I know he wasn't a top 10 pick either. Yeah. I definitely know that part. Uh, so, you can't even say Derrick Henry. Right. He's the last running back. Well, him or Jonathan Taylor, last running back to, like, change a team. Mm-hmm. Not not in the top 10, though. Neither one of them was in the top 10, though. Right. So, I think for Atlanta, they're scrambling to do anything to be relevant. And, obviously, you take a look at their quarterback situation or lack thereof. Yeah. So you're putting in a rookie running back that the teams don't respect your quarterback. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to load up the box because they know that you're their only saving grace on offense. I think he's going to struggle. I really do until they can get a competent quarterback to run this team and be successful. And if they don't get it, I'm sorry. Like This is going to fall away the Kyle Pitts pick. Like Sure, at the moment, yeah, best offensive player available, but long-term? Jury's out. I've seen some teams have some issues after losing a championship in multiple sports, but guys, it's been six years. Yeah. Like it don't usually take six. It's, it's weird. I'm not, and I'm not saying like, oh, it, they they have to get back to the sort. No, just to be even competent or or make a run in the playoffs. They haven't done shit since they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I'm going to be honest here. If if I was Atlanta with this pick, it's going to sound really bad. I would have either gone. Defense, 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 and taking the best available, which would have been Jalen Carter, mm-hmm. or or I would have. And it's not, gonna, it's not a sexy pick. I'd have picked an offensive lineman because there was a couple good ones in the first round. They went in the first round. The the thing of the matter is with 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 Bijan, he could have he probably wouldn't have been drafted till later in the first round or second round. And so the better teams would have picked him up. I know that uh, he would have been a great pickup for your Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. uh, Ken. But but here's the problem: you're Atlanta. You are in a perfect position. To possibly win the Saquon Barkley fucking uh, heist of next year. Yeah. You know, they will have the actual stuff to have the cap space, everything, to bring in one of the best running backs in the league. Proven one of the best running backs in the league. And we know that's happening because he's so pissed off about the Giants and how they treated the whole uh, situation with him and tagging him that I don't think that that relationship's going to be repairable. And I think he's good as gone. Yeah. And I don't even think a championship will change that. It's hard to say. I mean, the Giants look like on paper they're stepping in the right direction but I agree how they handled that situation you you don't know how that's going to react and I could see Barkley walking I really can I mean sure winning is the ultimate band-aid on wounds but I, that one's a deep one I'm going to say just short of a Super Bowl yeah. I don't think that they're going to yeah. keep him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and I'm sorry, Giants fans out there. I, I love when you get pissy with me, but I'm sorry, but that's reality. Yeah. They handled this situation with him all wrong over Daniel Jones, yes. who they should have just franchised yeah. and worked out a deal with Saquon because, or they should have done his fifth year option last year. You know, hey, that would have been smart if you really wanted to give him a year because guess what? I don't think that he's the answer. No, I'm sorry. No, no, Daniel. no he's not. And I know we're getting off track from the yeah. draft, but this does affect us because Atlanta would be one of those teams that would be attractive if they could put something together and start moving pieces. This would be an attractive team for a Saquon Barkley. Yeah, no, you know I know what I mean. I legitimately thought, like, the more after we recorded, I was like, you know what? They'd be smarter to trade their pick. Oh, yeah. They could have got more assets and done some more things for next year because right now, sure, he's going to be the big fish in a small pond because unfortunately, 
there's nothing on Atlanta that scares you as an opposing team. Nope. Nothing. I'm sorry, Kyle Pitts, great tight end. Could be. Yeah. Who, but, who's going to throw the ball? But yeah, but exactly. Who gets him the ball? So See, that that's the whole thing. He had, he, he had okay numbers with Matt Ryan, and he had even worse numbers with whoever was quarterbacking last ex- year. Exactly. What, Desmond Ritter? Put Marcus Mariota? Yeah. yeah, whoever, question mark. Yeah, I, I honestly can't remember. I'm, I know I'm exaggerating with 15. But you know what? The thing is, they could have really made up uh, like a bandit because we're going to talk about it here because we're going to move on to the next pick. The next pick was a traded pick. Yeah. So th- that per- that team would have traded into the eighth spot. They, I promise you. They would have been smarter to just call around and see who they could have got. Yeah. yeah. But instead, no, we, we don't do that. And you know what? Their loss is going to be somebody else's gain. And I believe the biggest steal in the draft went to the number nine team here. Yeah, so that uh, went to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who got this from Carolina, who got it from Chicago. Uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles selected Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, side note, Philadelphia loves them some Georgia players, don't they? I was going to say, uh, the, the thing came out. Uh, the offense of the Eagles, powered by Alabama. Yeah. The defense, powered by Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the two top-tier uh, NCAA teams of the last, probably the last decade, I think, that, they're, they, that are two teams that have been on top, let's be honest going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a good place to get your draft picks from. As a matter of fact, there was the funny uh, call uh, yeah. when the, the GM made the call because he's a Florida Gator guy. And he's like, you know, I, it bothers me to have to bring in all you Bulldogs. Yeah, I thought it was just a funny he's, call. He's like, he said something to the effect of like, I'm going to lose my alumni status or whatever it is with the <laughs> University of Florida drafted so many Bulldogs. And then the, the response was, but you like to win. And he's like, that I do. Yeah. And it's true. And I think this was a great pick. Uh, let's be honest. The, we said it already going into the offseason when we talked about the offseason. Philadelphia has the tools, and they brought pretty much everybody back. Mm-hmm. All they needed was maybe a little more of a pass rush, right? Because yeah. that's what beat them in the Super Bowl at the end of the day. Patrick Mahomes found a way to Patrick Mahomes shit because he's magic. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but he, he's damn fucking good. Probably the best quarterback in the league. You know what I mean? Uh, on any given day. I thought Jalen Hurts should have been the MVP, not him last year. Look at the numbers, and numbers don't lie. Hell, look at the Super Bowl numbers. Jalen Hurts destroyed him in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that they didn't win, but look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie, right? And uh, that's what the MVP should go by. But here's the thing. They came in. They got aggressive. They moved to the number nine spot to get Jalen Carter because they wanted a pass rusher, and they got probably the best pass rusher in the draft and one of the best defense and probably the best defensive player in the draft. And like I said, uh, there's reasons why I think other teams passed on him. There's been some issues. However, they I think in, in Philadelphia they can run a flyer on him. Also, they've got a lot of veterans on that squad that can mm-hmm. take the young kid under his wings. And even there's kid, even some of their kids, if we call them kids, are three, four years into the you know business. There's some young guys but their main core of guys have been in the league they've been to the dance they've been to the super bowl yeah here's the thing if you're jalen carter you just won the lotto you got drafted by the team that went to the super bowl they moved up and got you and on top of that they're a team that i have to say as of right now is heavily favored to return Mm-hmm. If you put it, if you ask me right now who my picks to go to the Super Bowl is, the AFC, I'm like, flip a coin. There's five teams, you know, that could go there. And obviously, you can't ever count Kansas City out, but there's five teams, easy, if not more, that you could see going to the Super Bowl for the AFC right now. Yeah. In the NFC, the, the Eagles are team beat. I, I'm throwing it out there. I know there's a lot of non Eagle fans. Sorry, guys. Until proven otherwise, they brought back all the key pieces. That team's going to be dangerous, and they've added a pass rusher. 
Jesus. <laughs> you know, this this made all the sense in the world. Like I said, for a couple other teams, they did not need anything on offense. Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Godare, you know, on offense. Oh, by the way, you didn't even mention they traded with Detroit for DeAndre Swift. Oh, yeah. That, I forgot about that. Yeah, so they added a running back. <laughs> so they're pretty well set on offense. So it made all the sense in the world for the Eagles to take somebody on defense. You know, I, I forget. I think it was like Stephen A. or somebody on first take. It was wild to say that, like, this team just lost the Super Bowl. And they still managed to trade their way into the top 10 of the NFL draft and get an absolute great pick. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, think about it. They got two first-round picks, too. Yeah. yeah. Both from Georgia. Nolan Smith, defensive end, on top of Jalen Carter. Because I know we're not going through the whole first round. Think about that. Yeah. They took one of the best defensive ends in the draft out of one of the best college schools, and they took the best defensive player, in my opinion, both teammates, and now you have a rebuilt fucking defensive line in the first round of the draft just being in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That never happens. Ten players got taken from the University of Georgia. I think nine of them went to Philly. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Well, yeah, well, just in this draft alone, we had uh, three. Three, because uh, later on at the number 105 place, Kaylee Ringo, cornerback. By the way, here's the Eagles. I'm not going to give the names of every Eagles pick, but here's the Eagles picks. D- defensive tackle, defensive end, offensive guard, defensive back, cornerback, then a quarterback, and then D-tackle. They, they were clearly focused on one thing. They were yeah. focused on defense, and the, the part, they lost them the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's scary. Howie Roseman, the GM of Philadelphia put on the last infinity stone with this draft <laughs> getting Jalen Carter. He won the draft. Sorry. Philly had the best draft of anybody this year. Hands down. It's not even up for debate. Sorry. Jalen Carter was the one piece of the puzzle that they were missing and they still addressed other needs. Then you got a cherry on top with Nolan Smith. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Philly understood what happened. What went wrong in the Super Bowl? Like they understand mm-hmm. what happened and they addressed it. Completely, top to bottom. Perfect draft. I can't fault them at, at all. And honestly, they're they're my, as of recording right now, they're my number one seed in the NFC. And it's oh, yeah. not even close. Oh, yeah. They are literally head and shoulders above quite a few teams in that division and conference, and it's not even, it's not even close. Listen, the Eagles could compete for a spot right now in the AFC. If yeah. they move them to the AFC, yeah. they would be a top contending yeah. team, and that's a stronger division. I don't think any of us can argue against it. That's how good this Eagles – the, the Eagles team before that could have been moved there. Mm-hmm. The Eagles team we saw last year. You take this new team, yeah, yeah. It's oh, a wrap. Yeah. This is going to be a scary year. Yeah. If you see Philadelphia coming across you, it's going to be a rough year. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. All I'm going to say, Ken, is thank God we played the NFC East last year. Yeah, exactly. I, I would legit be worried this year because I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated. They're going to make a run. They're going to be a scary team to face, barring any injuries, because they loaded this team up for a run for a few years. And I think here's the other thing. You saw what happened when Jalen Hurts got snubbed for the MVP and yeah. the chip in his shoulder he played in the Super Bowl. And, yeah, I get it, he lost. But look at those numbers. Yeah. It had nothing to do with what he did. Can you imagine next season when he goes, okay, we lost the Super Bowl on top of it. Let's see what we can do. And I think he's the real deal. I think he proved it last year. Absolutely. And that offense mm-hmm. is coming back, and that defense, whoo, Forget scary. about it. Forget scary. about it. And then the number 10 overall pick went to the Chicago Bears, who drafted Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee. Listen, they addressed the need and got rid of the first-round pick. 
I, I loved it. I thought it was a great pick because who else are you going to take in Chicago? You could have taken a defensive player. I think the best ones were off the board, like the 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 top ten ones were off the board, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could have smuggled somebody else in. I know there's other great players. Nolan Smith was another great player. But let's be honest, they, they're decent on the defensive side of the ball. They could use some so a couple more pieces, but they're they're decent on that side of the ball. The problem last year, they had nobody to protect Justin Fields. They go out, they get one of the top, you know, you know, offensive linemen in the in the draft. I think this was a smart move by the, the Chicago Bears. Plus, they're playing the house money. They yeah. traded from the number one pick to the yeah. number ten pick. If they pick him at number one, we're judging this. Yes. At number ten, I'm like, I'm really good with it. No, I mean, all the sense in the world, they, they've got uh, just, Justin Fields there at their quarterback position. You know, they just added uh, DJ Moore in the offseason. They got uh, Dante Foreman at running back. Chase Claypool they added in the offseason. Uh, Cole Komet. You know, they're pretty well set on offense uh, for t- uh, weapons and whatnot. So, no, this pick made all the sense for them. No issues with this at all. That was a smart pick. Yeah, and closing out, they ended up with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 draft picks this year. And we got to remember, next year they got a couple other first rounders and such. It's like some Bill Belichick type shit. Well, yeah, they got, they got two more. They got a first and a second rounder next year, and a second rounder the year after, just from that number one pick. Woo! Their GM was very Woo! smart with what the moves they did this year. I, like I said, I think Philly won their draft, and I, I don't think it's even close. But if we have to say, like, okay, what other teams was very serviceable? I thought Chicago was. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, the only team I, I thought did a really bad job with their draft was Detroit. Mm. I, I thought that they could have been smarter with a lot of their picks, especially I, the whole deal with DeAndre Swift was kind of odd. The, the yeah. weird part is you trade DeAndre Smith or Swift. sorry Swift. I said Smith. Why am I doing whatever? Uh, but you you picked up Jamar Gibbs at the number twelve overall pick. Yeah. So you take an unproven, and I mean Alabama running back, good running back. But once again, unproven over yeah. a proven commodity. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't get that portion of it. But hey, you know. But more to Philly, I guess. I guess Detroit's just trying to help Philly. Just like last year, uh, for whatever reason, they tried to help Minnesota. Yeah. So it's a weird th- reason that Detroit's in. Because think about it. When they took uh, Hutchinson uh, yeah. out there to fucking Minnesota in the same division. Yeah. And they win the division because of it. I think I figured out why they traded him. Contract year. Oh, he's, he's, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. But then here's – remember when we were talking about teams without thinking – to go into your point? And by the way, the NFL.com gave them a C plus, So that's pretty low for the NFL.com. They try not to douche on yeah. everybody. But they, they, then, they then take a, a linebacker with a number 18th pick, uh, Jack Campbell out of Iowa. They come back in the second round. They have two second-round picks. They take a tight end and a defensive back. They then come back around in the next round and take a quarterback – and then they finished out by taking a D tackle, an offensive guard, and a wide receiver. They took a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. They weren't really improving the spots that they needed to improve. They were just taking pieces. Yeah. Well, why would you not just go solely in on defense when your offense was one of the most highest scoring offenses in recent memory? Like, let's not forget this. For a good stretch of last year, they were the number one offense in the league. They just couldn't close. So, like I say, their moves are very puzzling. Here's the biggest. Here's the you wanted the biggest head scratcher that I have. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, Iowa Edge. Yeah. They could have taken him with that pick instead of the running back. Yeah, and then just kept Swift, and all problems are good. Yeah, it just pays them extra money, and Swift was worth it. But now he's going to go to Philly, <laughs> where he's going to blow up in that system. Yeah. By the way, congratulations to the Green Bay Packers who got Lucas Van Ness on the next pick. Yeah. I'm sure that was a slam dunk. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought I thought Green Bay had a decent draft. And like I said, Seattle I thought did really well. Philly I, th- I thought was hands above 
hands, head and shoulders above everybody else. Like, hands down, no question about it. But, 13 picks in the draft for Green Bay, by the way. Well, you know what? When you, when you take them all from the Jets, I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. So let's close out this segment by breaking down our team's drafts overall. Pad, we'll start with you. I thought the Patriots did really well. I, I know it was questioning and kind of puzzling to some that we didn't take an offensive weapon until, like, Saturday. But, listen, I think we're pretty well set on offensive weapons, you know, with the additions we made in the offseason, plus the guys we got returning, you know. And, and, listen, I know some people want Mac Jones out of there, but, listen, you got Bill O'Brien there. Let's give him a full season with a competent offensive coordinator because, let's face it, in the first two years he's been in the NFL, he has not had an official offensive coordinator in that system. It was whoever the hell it was last year because I sure as shit couldn't tell you, and then it was whoever his rookie year. So give him Bill O'Brien, give him a full year, and, and see what they do. I like some of the offensive the additions they made in the offseason. But then with this pick, can we just talk for a minute how we and the Pittsburgh Steelers completely fucked over the New York Jets in the first round? And if you didn't pick up on it, let me explain it to you. So the New England Patriots originally had the number 14 overall pick in this year in this year's draft. We then traded it to the Pittsburgh Steelers who took Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia. Clearly a guy they wanted. Clearly we the Patriots felt whoever they wanted would be there when they got to it. Uh, completely flabbergasted the New York Jets because the New York Jets took the full 10 minutes before they decided who they wanted to pick. So something tells me they really wanted Broderick Jones. And uh, us and the Pittsburgh Steelers completely fucked them over. Well, they needed an offensive line, so yeah. That's yeah. exactly what they wanted. So I love seeing that, but I love the, the additions they made, especially Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon. Yeah, he was my number one pick. And, oh, my God. The fact that we landed him was phenomenal. I like all the other additions they made, you know. We'll see how it goes. Defense, obviously a big need, you know, with the Patriots, especially with that AFC. You know, like I mentioned, all the quarterbacks and the division alone. The AFC East is, Ken, I think we both agree. Our teams are going to beat the holy hell out of each other in that entire division. It's it's going to be it's going to be rough this year. It's so, going to be absolutely rough. So defense, especially when you you know we're going to play the Jets twice, the Dolphins twice, and the Bills twice. Those are three pretty great quarterbacks in the NFL that we're going to have to face twice a year. Defense is going to be a must. So I like what the Patriots did. If I had to give it a grade, probably like a B plus A minus. I liked it. Rich, uh, Raiders. I think we for the first time as a Raiders fan, I can honestly say we had a very good draft. I don't think it was great. I'm gonna. I, I'll just give the grade early. I think just like Pat, I think we were a B plus A minus. I will say this. This is telling. What is, what is the thing we need to shore up? You guys have already mentioned it. Defense. Out of nine picks, six defensive picks. Mm-hmm. Six addressing everything from defensive end to defensive tackle to uh, defensive backs and safeties. So very good at addressing the problems and issues. Uh, The couple offensive picks we did have, first of all, Notre Dame, tight end, Michael Mayer, 35 overall. They moved up. Stats. The guy who is considered to be the best tight end in the draft. Yes. And somehow fell in the perfect position. The Raiders moved up for him. I thought that that was very telling. You know, hey, we lost a tight end. We're bringing in a, a, a good tight end, so I, I think that's really good. Uh, the, the other two offensive things, uh, like I said, I was judgmental about the wide receiver. Nothing against the young man uh, who would be uh, Trey Tucker. Nothing against him. However, I, we just don't think we need a wide receiver. And then we took a quarterback, uh, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. I think that was just a pick to have a quarterback on the bench because we need to have somebody there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, like I said, I love the Tyree Wilson pick. You know, they came back and took uh, number 70s pick in By- uh, Byron Young. Young, who's a great defensive lineman, uh, fell way too far down. I don't know from Alabama. I don't know yeah, how anybody can hold him. One. And then we got Christopher Smith the second from Georgia at safety, very serviceable. I think that he's uh, better than what a lot of people get. So 
thankfully he fell. Uh, unfortunately for him, but thankfully for us, he fell to the 175th. So I think they did very good at bringing in a lot of great talent that is going to be plug and play. Once again, I don't think any of them are sexy names per se. I mean, Mayer's a sexy name. Wilson's a sexy name, uh, if you will. But you know what? I think everybody's going to fall into a good place. So I think overall, yeah, B plus, A minus. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I think both your teams did really well. Uh, for me, for the Bills, I gave it a, a solid B. I mean, I could even argue a B plus okay. to a certain degree. I, I got to admit, I was not in love with our number one pick just because I didn't think it was a need, and that's Dalton Kincaid. Yes. The tight end out of, out of, out of Utah. Out of Utah, Utah, thank you. Yeah. I But you know what? He's a player. He's, he's going to be, in a weird sense, almost used in the Cole Beasley spot. Like I could see him doing slot, to be honest with you. Be they have Dalton Cast or yeah, Dalton Castle. Uh, yeah, there you go. There's- you know he would be great up there too, by the way. But they have uh, Dawson Knox, and they're going to try running a t- uh, two tight end set, which I don't know how that's going to work. But I think that if they can have Knox block more and let this kid get open, I think that there's some possibilities to really move the ball, and especially Kincaid can run routes and he has better hands than Knox. So I think that's an upgrade. But taking where we did. We more or less just did that to screw over the Cowboys, which yeah. I'm okay with. Yeah. Sorry, Dre. <laughs> Sorry, Dre. I can already hear somebody screaming uh, from New York City about this. But I honestly think that was the only reason they did, but it is an upgrade. But I was super happy with our number two pick because Osiris Torrance was the was the guard from Florida that I wanted in the first round. We got him in the second he is going to be an absolute first-day starter. He is going to do a really good job about tightening up that offensive line, especially with our free agent we got from Dallas, too. We made some moves that addressed needs, and I was so happy with this one. I think the Bills' offensive line is going to be a lot better. Uh, the third pick they had, though, Dorian Williams, I know a lot of Bills fans are like either very awesome, like very happy about it or very angry about it. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna try breaking it down like this for the Bills. They needed to address the Traymon Edmonds leaving. Mm-hmm. Dorian Williams has great instincts on the field. He almost reminds me of playing like London Fletcher. Mm. So is he gonna take over games? No. But do they need somebody that can read the offense and call and and literally be the quarterback on that side of the ball? Yes, I think he will do this, and I think he'll be fine. They still have Matt Milano. And obviously, Justin Poirier coming back, him and Micah Hyde will be in the backfield. There's a lot of pressure taken off them, this is the linebacker core, that I think Williams will be okay and be able to be a first-day starter and be very successful. Am I going to say he's going to put up the same numbers Edmonds did? Probably not, but it's still addressing a need. So I was happy with that. Um, But as we get later in the round, I mean, they drafted one more offensive lineman, which, I mean, we'll see what happens, seventh rounder, so... Anything helps for the Bills there, but drafting another wide receiver, I, 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 did, I didn't really understand that one, but I'm not mad about it. it I was, get it. Yeah, I get it. Justin Shorter yeah. out of uh, Florida yeah. is the receiver. He's a he's a fast receiver, and they want a downfield threat. Uh, and also, it is a good uh, light of fire under Gabe Davis's ass. Gabe is known to you know play some downs, not play some downs. If you got a guy breathing down your neck, it means you might want to play all the downs. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, not nothing against him personally. Right. Also, we still don't know uh, if there's a certain person from a certain team. In a wide receiver position, who might be making Buffalo their new home? Yeah, which is a long rumor. We're not jinxing. Uh, right rhymes with Keandre Dopkins. Yes, 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 yes. We won't. We won't jinx that for Ken. Uh, so uh, Pad will, but it's okay. I understand why. 
I mean, listen, if there's anything I'm certain of, you mentioned Dal- you didn't expect Dalton Kincaid to go to Buffalo. Neither did Dalton Kincaid because there's a video floating around from draft day where I don't know who it is in the background. It's either like a brother or a friend, but like he's got all 32 hats behind him just in case he gets drafted by anyone. Can't find the Bills hat. So he's supposed to sit there. He's sitting at home. He's supposed to sit there. I'll show you the video after, but he's sitting there. He's supposed to take the hat and put the hat on. Whoever it is in the background, brother, friend, whatever, is going through all 32 hats, cannot find the Buffalo hat. So clearly he was not expecting it as well. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think anybody was expecting it personally. I think that there. I think he was expected to go to uh, Dallas. Well, the only, the thing was the least expected. Chris, we should have seen it coming. Joey Porter Jr. to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Why did we? Why did I not see that coming? Oh, you know, I, I thought that was coming. I don't think that was the biggest shock of the draft because before we end the segment, I, I know we have to address this because I know we'll get hit up on social media about this. Will Levis. Yeah. Rich, your thoughts. Oh, man, I, I didn't like him in college. So I was surprised that uh, everybody had him going so high uh, to the fact that uh, on their boards, to the fact that he was invited. Uh, and it was just kind of funny to watch him sit there all of day. And I'm sorry. I Sometimes you have to enjoy other people's pain. Pad. <laughs> oh, so in the 39 career games, he has completed 479 passes on 738 attempts. He has a completion percentage of 64.9%, 5,877 yards, passing 46 touchdowns, 25 interceptions. Uh, and then he has 742 rushing yards with 17 rushing touchdowns. They're not bad stats, you know, if, you, if you're just looking for, at it from a statistical perspective. But we also have to remember, a bulk of those are at the University of Kentucky. And what is Kentucky known for? Basketball. Ba- basketball. They're not known for football. So I'm not surprised he fell. You know, this this made all the sense in the world. I mean, I'm like, well, yeah, he's from Kentucky, you know. Kentucky, not known for football players, you know. Unless you're explosive and you're, you're right. bringing something that you're not going to be, right. no. So the fact that he got invited to the green room was surprising to me. The fact that he sat there until day two and decided to stay at his hotel or fly back or whatever the story was. There was some story about what he did for day two. Uh, did not surprise me. You know, when I saw him, I I instantly thought Bo Callahan from draft day. <laughs> uh, like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, it's nothing against him personally, but... Pat hit it right on the head. When you come from a school that's not known as a football conference and you don't really play top-notch teams like such as the SEC. And, oh, by the way, because I'm looking at his stats, he did was at Penn State for three years and left. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation where he falls into that prototype that GMs love in the NFL, but it doesn't pan out. Mitchell Trubisky is prime example of it. Sorry, yeah. but yeah. it's true. Yeah, You know, you can be 6'4", 225, and throw the ball down 60 yards – on you know in your sleep it doesn't mean you're going to translate that well as a pro and i think for as much as the scouts and everybody had him touted as going as the number two pick i think honestly teams looked and compared him to trubisky and said he's not the guy because who have you faced much like trubisky at north carolina who do you face right and i think the teams are getting smarter about it i think the titans who eventually took him at number two in the second round that was a smart pick for them but it was the right time for him. Too. It was it was the right time. It could end up being a steal. Let's uh, let's be honest. This kid, if he goes on to be a great quarterback, good for him. Yeah, exactly. Prove people wrong. But that's going to be the motivation for a lot of these players. Because for anybody that's crying about their position or you know the fact that they sit around in the green room waiting, which sorry, you have the opportunity to play professional sports as your profession. 
I don't feel bad for people that are sitting around and about. I mean, I did feel bad for him because his girlfriend was obviously irritated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I pulled up their schedule from last year in case anyone's curious who they played. I won't read all scores, but this is just who they played. Uh, Miami University of Ohio, University of Florida, Youngstown State University, Northern Illinois University, Ole Miss, uh, South Carolina University of South Carolina, Mississippi State University, University of Tennessee, University of Missouri, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Louisville, and Iowa. Four teams out of that. Four, possibly five. Four, maybe five. Mm-hmm. Oh, and oh, by the way, because this is the one I saw, they played Tennessee and got blown out 44-6. Exactly. So I'm just going to say this in closing. Prove us wrong. Hey, that's, that goes that's, for everybody. That's now. the challenge. You, you, you're now selected to play a sport as your profession. You're getting paid a very, very good salary on your signing bonus. Earn it. Prove your fan base right. <laughs> you now have the opportunity of a lifetime. Take full advantage of it. And then us as fans, we got to just sit back and go, all right, this is the future of our franchises. Is this going to make or break us? I agree there. I will say this, though. One feel-good moment, because Joey Porter Jr. is obviously a feel-good moment because he went yeah. to Pittsburgh. But the second one, would, of course, would be uh, young Deuce Vaughn running back yes. uh, getting drafted by his father yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys. That was awesome. I thought that that was a really cool video going around, especially when you saw the video before where he called his dad, worried that he wasn't going to get drafted. And his dad was like, listen, you know, not because he because they didn't even decide at that point. He said, listen. You know, some team might take you. If not, you just know we've already worked the roads. There's still free agency. Just, you know, trust the system. Trust the system. And then shortly thereafter, he gets the – there's the other video of basically him being told by Jerry Jones that, hey, think, well, we're gonna, you think you should write your son's name down in that paper. And him have, and making his, him call his own son crying and tell him he got a job. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I know it was a late-round pick, and, and, you know, you're going to Dallas where running backs are, you know, they've got <laughs> the top running backs, if you will. Mm. Uh, you know, they, there's not much about But, hey, hopefully the kid he seems like a hard worker. You can work yourself into a system. Might not be a running back. Special teams, slot receiver, there's a lot of options out there. But uh, that was a cool feel-good moment, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing about the draft is they do make memories – some good, some bad, but it just depends on what you do with it, the opportunity you're given that justifies your legacy moving forward. Yeah, and they made me cry in the beginning when they gave the uh, honorary draft to the three players from Virginia that yeah. were murdered, unfortunately. Uh, that made me that made me tear up because I thought that was a very awesome moment for the that NFL. That was a very awesome moment for the NFL to do that. So, That being said, ODPH Society hits up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. I know we went a little extra long with it, but there's a lot to break down from the NFL draft. Let us know how your teams did. What did you think about our analysis? We definitely want to have that conversation with you. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Together, we can make a difference. That's been the sign-off for everything live stream for The Cure related ever since the event began back in 2017. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I am the host of the live stream for The Cure, an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years... We've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together, and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date, and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th, as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer. Together, we will make a difference. Coming back for the closing segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast Pad, 
What do you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which is obviously the local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, made a little bit of improvement. They're currently sitting in fourth place uh, behind Hartford, Somerset, and uh, Portland. That is the Colorado Yankees and Red Sox affiliates, respectively. Uh, looking at their schedule, they had <clears throat> from uh, this past week. Uh, they won their game on the 25th against Akron, seven to five. Their game on the 26th was postponed due to inclement weather. It was made up the next day in a doubleheader where they lost the first game 5-2, to two, won the second game 4-3, to three, came back and won their next two games uh, Friday by the score, uh, final score of 6-1, to one, Saturday by the final score of 6-4, to four, and then again, this game on Sunday was postponed due to inclement weather, going to be made up at a later date. Uh, looking at their schedule for this upcoming week, they are on the road playing the Somerset Patriots, that is the uh, farm system team of the New York Yankees. They are there all week. Uh, they do return home uh, next week uh, on Tuesday, May the 9th, for a uh, home series against Hartford. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, go to bingrp.com. And then just one quick sports thing I got to talk about. I got to talk a little footy, a little soccer, uh, because there was an incredible game on, I believe it was, yeah, it was Sunday uh, against Liverpool and Tottenham, which finished with the final score of four to three. Uh, game started off with Liverpool being up three to nothing in the first 15 minutes, I believe it was, which was nightmarish for Tottenham because the week prior, it was like four nothing in like the first 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. which Tottenham fans seeing, you know, red in their eyes. But don't worry, they they clawed back uh, and eventually made it 3-2 before they eventually, in stoppage time, basically overtime, uh, got the game-tying goal with uh, in the 94th minute uh, to tie things up, which was absolutely nuts. Uh, it was funny, though, because the gentleman who scored the goal got a yellow card for excessive celebration. Uh, which then 90 seconds after that goal, Liverpool came back down the field, scored their own goal in the 96th minute, and then basically that was the end of the game. All the meanwhile, Liverpool scored the game-winning goal. Their uh, their manager there, I haven't read what it is yet. It looked like he pulled a hamstring uh, in celebration because oh, he, he went he went not running but like walking very quickly down the side in like celebration, pumped his fist. Yelled at the refer one of the referees, which might get him banned for a game or two. We'll see. Uh, but then he came he came back clutching his hamstring, and so uh, he might have pulled himself an injury. But it's an insane game. You should look up the highlights. Uh, highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, Pat has become quite the soccer aficionado. Yes. So definitely hit him up on Muslin on Twitter. He will definitely be talking to you about that. So I'm I'm starting to learn a little bit about it from uh, seeing your tweets up about it. So obviously, this you know, soccer is it's it's slowly breaking into the ODPH uh, yes. rotation here. Yes, very cool to see. Rich, since you are our guest, what do you feel like going to next? Because we obviously have to address a little bit of NBA, a little bit of NHL. All right, let's let's peel the bandaid off. We'll address the the the, the worst of the two news. <sighs> Unfortunately, the New York Rangers have been eliminated from the the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Conspiracy. They are no longer going after the hockey Lombardi. No, this is not uh, this is not acceptable. I demand a recount. Uh, unfortunately, they 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 did it to themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't favored in the series, so going to a game seven, I'll give them kudos for that. Uh, and uh, but unfortunately, uh, lackluster defense, lackluster offense led to an early exit from this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. The only solace that I take is at least we are not Boston Bruins fans oh, because oh, the Boston Bruins, who have the greatest record in regular season hockey, were defeated in seven games by those pesky Florida Panthers in one of the greatest game sevens that you will ever see. And uh, listen, I, I, all, all kidding and joking aside, there is nothing in the world of sports better than playoff hockey. Yes. Nothing. 
I mean that wholeheartedly. Even though the Rangers are not in, I will still be watching games because this is some of the best stuff. Where else in in any sport do you see things go to a game? Uh, where do you see a team that is the number one seed playing the number eight seed? Up three to one, drop the final three games, first of all, Mm -hmm. to lose the series. Secondly, in that game, coming down into the final minute, up 3-2, to give up the game, tying goal with less than a minute left, and then to lose in overtime. And and once again, this is not shots at the Bruins fans or Bruins as a team. Nothing against that. You're not going to be able to take away the regular season record. But the fact of the matter is only in hockey will you see this, and it was super exciting. So although I am very upset that the Rangers are no more, I am super excited for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I was not watching that game. You know, I was hanging out with my girlfriend, and we were watching some TV. And we finished watching an episode of whatever it was we were watching. I forget what. And I and I'd seen that the game got tied, and I was like, I need to see how this ends because I, I kind of explained to her what was going on in Boston in the regular season and how good they did and just everything else. I'm like, I, if they lose, I need to see this. And then they, and then they lost. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Ken can uh, affirm this. I was watching the game and messaging him like it was a like it was a Rangers game because yes. me and Ken will message back and forth during Rangers games, including goal. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we're both watching, but uh, I was messaging him like it was a Rangers game because I was like the Panthers can do this. Like they were up for a while, then they went down. I'm like, oh man, the Bruins are going to come back, and then that ending is coming, and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm not. It's great. There's no other experience in sports that you'll feel like playoff hockey, like Rich attested to. I've gone to Rangers games at the Garden during playoffs, and it's one of the most magical sports experiences I've ever seen. The intensity, the pressure, the history of the game is just amplified to a degree that you have to experience firsthand. Like, whether you're watching or whether you're in person. Like, watching on TV, I'm sorry. The Bru- the Bruins Panthers series shows why the regular season doesn't matter. A team just has to get in the playoffs, and everything's reset, and you have literally one shot to go for- to advance. You have to win your series. Boston had the greatest regular season in history of hockey, but they couldn't close. Florida played with house money and scrapped. Like we always say in, in when we talk UFC about scrapping, they fought every play, every faceoff, every chance they had to stay relevant in this game, and especially this was one that they should have lost outright. But Boston did not close out. Florida showed a heart of a champion. It was absolutely one of the most wildest scenes I've ever seen in sports. And just to go, you know, further with this, Florida has a chance to run a deep you know, drive into the playoffs because we forget last season they had the best record of all hockey. And also, ironically, last season they exited early from the playoffs yeah. too with the best record of in hockey last year. Yeah, so the regular season, like I said, doesn't really matter. It just depends on what you do when you get in there. Now on to the Rangers. Uh, this series gave me flashbacks of a very, very bad time, and this is when Henrik Lundqvist was carrying the team on his back. Single-handedly. The offense did not show up. The defense was lackluster. And I don't know what happened between games two and three of this series, but the Rangers forgot how to pass. And some of the most atrocious and apprehensive skills were being displayed by them. Wide open passes from Adam Fox 
and Patrick Kane missing their intended targets or just simply whiffed on by Panarin, where we should have literally swept this team. But we had a rookie goalie come in for the Devils that everybody was anointing as the second coming of Martin Berdour. Listen, nothing against Akira. He has not proven that he is the second coming yet. The Rangers did not show up with that offense until game six, where guess what? They finally broke down a Devils team, and they should have stayed on that format. But New Jersey, to their credit, stepped up when it mattered game seven. They implemented their will. Adam Fox had one of the worst games in recent memory. Shesterkin played out of his goddamn mind. And if anybody was blaming Igor for their loss, I'm sorry I'm not having that conversation with you. He did everything in his physical power to win that game. But when you're letting up goals on a power play that you should be running down the ice, you get your pocket picked, and literally the guy is dancing around Igor at the front of the net, and he has to make a decision, slide or jump in front of a puck, and he has to make a wrong decision because he doesn't have anybody knocking this guy on his ass. You set up the formula for a disaster. What they did in this series... They need to go back to the drawing book. They need to go reassess their lines. And I am not doubting, not saying I'm wishing this, but I'm not doubting they make some moves this offseason. Some people are going to be go- leaving the garden. Probably. And it's a sad thing to say, but this team was built to win now. They have to reassess. And Chris Drury in the front office is really going to have to take a hard look at this team because you need to get people that are going to score in the playoffs in the postseason there. Well, the bad part is we have all this young, good talent on the team. And we're still going to these stars that we brought in. And none of these stars are performing. Panarin, nothing. Yeah. Literally well, zero well, points during well, one. He had a secondary. Oh, he had a secondary assist. A secondary. Okay, sorry. One point on a one secondary point. assist, which that I think that's just listen, I hate the you secondary should, assist. You it's either off. a primary or it's nothing. That's, I, a, I'm that's sorry. a participation right. trophy. It's yeah. like in the NBA, there's no such thing as a secondary assist yeah. for good reason. So yeah, he got one point off of a bullshit, you know, ruling. Anyways, no, no real goals, nothing. Zabinajad. One goal, one goal. The In entire seven, games. seven game series. Uh, I do believe Kane had what? No goals, zero goals, or did he have one? Yeah, like one assist. He, he had one assist early on, yeah, or he might have had a goal. He might have had a goal early in the series, but he, nothing yeah. at the end when it mattered. No. Nothing at the end when it mattered. He looked lost. He looked lost on that power play. We had we had you know basically Kreider. Yep, that was it, and then like the young kids. I mean, I, I mean, Goodrow's not super young, but Barkley was doing a great job. Uh, Lafayette was doing, was playing his ass off. Yeah, he was trying. He didn't, he didn't get much of the pucks because nobody could pass the damn puck. Yeah, but he, he was playing his ass off. All the young kids were out there playing their ass off. Capo was trying to do what he could. Like when they reunited the kid line, it gave him a spark, but it was too little, too late. That's the problem that the Rangers have to figure out because this is literally Henrik 2.0 and that era. And li- listen. If anybody is questioning the greatness of Henrik Lundqvist, he took this team with no offense to the Stanley Cup Finals. It is, but it isn't because he didn't have options. Right? There's fucking options, and these guys just aren't aren't aren't, aren't taking advantage of it. But right. We have all the talent in the world. Those star, you know, people would kill for one of those guys. Just one of them. Yeah. yeah. We have all of them, and none of them per- showed up to the playoffs. Yeah. What are you doing? Exactly. What are you doing? That's so, where it is there. Flashbacks of depending on Rick Nash, anybody? But, that, yeah. but that's, yeah, all, that, that's what I say. Like, it's a weird, bizarro thing happening. And I'm just like, I don't want to be reliving this. I say save some cap, get rid of some of these guys who are alleged stars, and let's build up these young kids. Because the young kids are getting the job done. Let's have, I'm not saying get rid of everybody. No. 
I'm I'm not saying all of them, but let's be honest. We got to do something. You got to shake up that roster. I think the the free agents they brought in the rent uh, players. The rentals are done. Yeah, let's talk about the NBA now. Yeah, let's switch to happier topics. (laughs) Like those New York Knicks. Yeah. Second round for the first time in like a decade. Ten years, yeah. Yeah. Ten years. The pain is gone, so to speak. I mean, obviously, anything after this is a win. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. Big congratulations, Padawan Jay. Uh, We got an MVP, don't we? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers won MVP. Well deserved. He did. Yeah. He deserved it. He's like you're talking about a guy who is a game changer. He's a game changer. Uh, you know, thankfully they made it to the second round without him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, by the skin of their teeth. Uh, I hear that he should be healthy coming in this series, though. I don't think he's going to be healthy for game one or two, but I think they're looking at game three. Yeah, game three is when they're slating. But you know what? They did what they needed to without him. Philadelphia facing Boston, they stole game one. Yeah, definitely. Which James Harden decided to go back to his Houston playing days for the first time in for a long time and actually showed up for this playoff game. So well, if they can get it, that one game is what they needed because if you drop game two, that's all good. You get Embiid back in three or four. So if you can just pick up one and you, you can lose two, once you get Embiid back, there's really nobody on that court on Boston that's going to cover Embiid. No. Nope. Embiid can take no. that game over. As for the Knicks, they're going up against the Heat. Jimmy Butler is out as we're recording tonight. And the Knicks stars are healthy. Uh, well, they're available. They're, as, they're available. They're as healthy as they're going to be. Yeah, exactly. At this <laughs> so, stage, at this stage of the season, I'll take it. We got to steal game two. If, if we go down two nothing, it's going to be a long series going to Miami, and I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. And we got We can't ignore the gigantic, the gigantic elephant in the room. Let's talk about the old man series and how we got there. First of all, the easier side of it, which would be and not easy because of the games. But them Golden State Warriors, you can never count them out. We talked about this before. Sacramento played their hearts out. That's a young team. Let me tell you what. Don't take that as a negative, kids. This is your first dance, really. Yeah. And you just got beat by guys who have done this time and time again. I see a lot of promise. Mark my words, next season and the season after that, as long as Sacramento can keep it together, they're going to be uh, knocking on that NBA Finals door. Uh, no, 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 no shame in losing Absolutely to the Golden not. State Warriors in seven games. They'll just be doing it with uh, – uh, no, sorry. Uh, thinking of a different team. Never mind. Yeah. But if you think about it, the Sacramento Kings uh, showed me some good stuff, and I think that they're going in the right direction. There's no shame in losing to the Golden State. They're the old dog that still has fighting them. They won the fucking championship yeah, last they're, year. They're the yeah. Wiley veterans. Yeah. And they know how to win when it counts. And yeah, by the way, four. congratulations, Steph Curry. 50 points in Game 7. Yes. The most points in playoff history by one player. And on top of that, the most points by anybody 35 and over yeah. ever in the game. Nobody over 35 has scored more than 50 points. And that would be uh, Steph Curry. So can you know what? When you think he can't have any more records to break in him, he finds yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah, listen, finds. I have all the love and respect in the world for Steph Curry. Oh, absolutely. I'm tired of seeing the Warriors win, but I have all the love and respect in the world for him. Now let's go over to the other side. Let's go to the juiciness. You know, there was a team called the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And they had they had some young, brash players were being who, who decided to be naughty. And they decided to, listen, I might not think LeBron's the greatest of all time. But he's one of the greatest of all mm-hmm. times. He might not be better. In my opinion, he's third behind Jordan and Kobe. I get it. There's people. Who, and if you put him first or second, I that's don't care. You. That's that, you. That, that, that's, that, that's fine. He deserves to be. He is a name that deserves to be in that echelon with Kobe and Michael. Mm-hmm. I don't care what order you put them in. Those three are have proven that they're the three goats If you, at this point in juncture. You can put them whatever order. Personally, I think it's Michael, then Kobe, then, and then LeBron. In order, because I think you don't have one without the other. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. And I will say this, why 
Why in God's green earth would you ever decide as a player that well, well, a goat still has breath in his lungs that you should question or not say you don't respect him? Who the hell did these guys think they were? And they found out. They found out LeBron's got a lot more in the tank than we all thought he knew. He put the team on his back. Fucking Anthony Davis got so offended that he came back from injury early. It actually was providing offense yeah. to that team. Because uh, remember, he wasn't supposed to play that no, series at all. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, man, we got to strap up. We got to get in a fucking fight. Let's go. Let's fight. The Lakers, the old man team of the Lakers, decided that they uh, were going to dust those purple shoes off one more time. And they put a foot straight straight in the Memphis Grizzlies ass and uh, leading to one of my favorite moments of all time. As the clock waned down, LeBron said, I ain't shaking a son of a bitch's hands on this court, walked off the court and uh, let the game speak for itself. As you saw Brooks sitting there, who was uh, the person mainly in question about his comments, looking there with a sick feeling and that you could tell the look in his eyes. He had that sick feeling that he realized that the old man that he didn't respect just kicked his ass. Oh, and it's funny you bring up uh, Dylan Brooks because uh, Shams uh, Shinaria of The Athletic has reported today, quote, the Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances, league sources say. You know why? Because he pissed off LeBron and they lost the series they should have won. He pissed off LeBron. They lost the series they shouldn't have won. And he skipped media, uh, media interviews for like three games. Well, he had to because he was eating his words. Because mm-hmm. as he talked shit, LeBron in that time frame was averaging like 27, 20, I think it was like 27, 8, and, and 4 or something like that. He was averaging, he had some great numbers in this fucking series, if you want to look that up. Great numbers. And let's not forget, too, when Dylan Brooks decided to develop this uh, Colby Covington-esque character where you become a villain out of nowhere. He did not realize that doing this was going to cause this much of a ramification on him and his team. The Memphis Grizzlies came in with a lot of swagger. We can't take anything away from that. Like They came in and even John Morant to a degree saying, I'm not worried about the West. We're good. You know, We'll worry about the East when we see him. I understand having that bravado but at the same time we have said this time and time again i think since we started this podcast the eastern conference of the nba is nothing to worry about ever the western conference until further notice is the conference where the division winner is going to come out of it'd be it's a rarity if the east produces a winner but let's but let's be honest about this when Memphis came in with all the swagger and was talking all that talk and they thought they were going to back it up, and I understand they had injuries. I will, I'm not going to take anything away from that. They knew coming in this round that they needed to make a statement. And unfortunately, as on a weird flip of the coin with Sacramento and Golden State, the Lakers are the veterans, and we have all seen throughout the years how if you provoke LeBron – LeBron takes it extremely personal and kicks into that certain gear. And everybody might think, well, he's up there in age. It's the Michael Kobe gear. Exactly. There is that mentality that 
if you give them fuel, they will light the fire. Let's call it. Let's pay homage to the great Kobe Bryant. It's that Mamba mentality. Exactly. And, and it, it, that's what it is. When you want to be a, one of the greats and you are one of the greats, you have that in you. Whether people want to respect that or not, I, I, it's just weird to me that you shouldn't. Because even up to the time that he retired, Kobe was still putting numbers on those boards. Same with Michael Jordan. And right now, but you could put Michael Jordan back on a court. And I guarantee if you gave him enough, uh, uh, enough uh, to run by, if somebody said he was old and ran down, I'm sure Michael would still find a way to score 30 points on your ass and send you home losing. The fact they don't do hand checks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's dropping 50. Dude, he might he might break all sorts of records at this point juncture, even at his age. Yeah, exactly. The, the point of the matter is LeBron still has stuff in the tank, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming to the end. It is. He's been in the league for over 20 years. Yeah. It's coming to an end. But but to think that his end is now? Listen, if you would have came into this game and just said, hey, you know, we respect our opponents. We think we're going to beat them. Be confident. Have the swagger. Yeah. But the whole thing was respect. And they straight out, Brooks said, I don't respect LeBron James. Yep. Who the hell has the right to say that they don't respect LeBron James? Yeah. The, the, high, the, the person who has had scored more than anybody in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. You you don't respect him? Yeah. And listen, he doesn't have he's not my favorite player. He never has been, but I respect yeah. LeBron James. And I respect the fact that he's a you know, he might not have won as much as Jordan or Kobe, and we can we can talk about the decision and every mistake he's ever made, but at the end of the day, to say that he's not a great player. Yeah. The fact that he even took it a step further, as in LeBron, and came over and told him, like, stop talking. Like he tried giving Stop him. Stop it now and give him out. Yeah. Give he, him out. he tried giving him an out. And for whatever reason, Dylan Brooks went in with his villain persona and decided. And he to, ball tapped him. Yeah. Of all the things you could do, <laughs> you did not see the temp in the room. You did not understand the picture that was painted in front of you. You pissed off a guy that thrives on competition that thrives on that kind of spotlight. And, yeah, he might be up there in age, but he can still ball. And if he needs to pull in that you know, extra magic out of wherever, he's going to do it. And the fact that his teammates, even though they're not the team he had in Cleveland when, or Miami when he was making those runs, guess what? They rallied around him. The fact Anthony Davis came back hurt. And played. <laughs> Let's put this in perspective. And, score, and scored a lot. And, and scored, scored a lot. points a game. Yeah, which now brings up a whole different conversation for another time. Yeah. But the fact he came out hurt and still put up the numbers he did. Memphis did not realize what they did until it was too late. And now they have to go into this offseason and really take a hard look in the mirror and find their identity. Because Dylan Brooks, I'm sorry, I he's going to get picked up somewhere. It's going to be somewhere very obscure, like maybe Utah or maybe Indiana, like somewhere under the radar. I would so say Indiana more than Utah. Utah runs a pretty tight ship. Remember, they got rid of Rudy Gobert after he caused the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is a situation where he's going to go somewhere small market and fade into obscurity. Well, here's the thing. I, I just want to say now, though, thanks to this whole fiasco, we get to, t- get to see the two old gunslingers yeah. one, one more time, probably the final time. Uh, in my, and I'm not taking anything away from both teams, but let's be honest. I, we already know that Steph says he's on the final years. We know that LeBron says he's on the final years. So we're getting into the point where we're probably not going to see this matchup too much longer, especially in a high-profile playoff. And LeBron is linked to the Golden State Warriors, for better or for worse, forever. Yeah. And I will say, 
where does it go down to? I and mean, this is a perfect matchup of two different teams. You have the, the the Golden State Warriors who live and die by shooting the lights out from the three-point line and created this whole wave of basketball of just shooting threes, which, uh, you know, the old basketball fan in me is like, Jesus. And then you have LeBron and the Lakers, who they still have that old-school philosophy of we're going to drive this ball and we're going to drive it down your throat and we're going to drive it down your throat and we're going to drive it down your throat until you just either we beat you into submission or we wear you down. And that's how they win games. So it's going to be that, that that's two different styles. Both are effective for both of these great teams, and it's going to be who blinks first. Yeah. It's, Anthony Davis is the question mark. If Anthony Davis plays like he did against Memphis – I don't think that anybody can guard him in Golden State. I agree with you. I think this is going to be Lakers in seven. I think they're going to push it. I think it's going to be fun basketball. And it's going to be a throwback to a few years ago when the NBA was a little more, I don't want to say more watchable, but, you know, the the game now has evolved. And this is going to be a good throwback to when you really saw that kind of competition level thrive. Well, if you want to see a great uh, competition on this level, I mean, right now in the East, we're getting a great, you know, between the two games we're getting East with Philly and Boston, Mm -hmm. and of course the Knicks in in Miami. And in both of those teams, they'll shoot three-pointers, don't get me wrong, but they're both teams that like to work that ball and work the ball around. All all four of those teams. So the East is doing more of a style of what you see the Lakers doing in the West. And the Western teams have really adapted to that you know, live by the live by the three, die by yeah. the three, and 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 I've you know, but we're starting to see people come out of that because, like I said, the more successful teams of the East, because the problem that people are going to run into is if you're off, they're going to run the court on you. Absolutely, it's a fun time to be a basketball fan. So if you haven't been watching the NBA playoffs, you definitely need to and hit us up on that hashtag and let us know how your team is doing or who you think that is going to be the breakout stars of these series because we definitely want to talk about that. But before we go, we have to talk a little bit of UFC. So pad. What is going on this weekend? Uh, that is UFC 288 taking place this Saturday, uh, May the 6th, uh, uh, from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Yes, yeah, so this is going to be a very, very highly watched card because there is a lot of title implications. Obviously, one's a title match. The other is for a number one contendership, in my opinion. So these fights are definitely going to be must-watch, and the fighting world is going to be tuned into Newark this week watching these this event. So let us talk about the main event and co-main event, Pat. Yeah, so in the, the co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division, you have Bilal Muhammad taking on Gilbert Burns. Rich, you got any feelings on this one? Listen, man, this is this is both guys taking short notice fights. Uh, Gilbert Burns just fought Mazdaval, what, weeks ago? Yeah, not even. It's 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 it's, it's pretty insane that these two guys are ready to go and ready uh, to bang. by the time uh the car by the time the fight takes place it will not have even been a month. There uh, you go. Cuz his cuz his fight against uh Masvidal was on April the 8th. There you go. And this is on the 6th. There you go. So, I'm going to throw this out there, man. Gilbert Burns, the most underrated and under-respected fighter in all of MMA. I'm just throwing that mm-hmm. out there. Take nothing away from anybody else. Just if you think about it, really the only person we've, I mean, I know he's got five losses on the record, but the only time we've ever seen him really handled was Usman. And that was in the height of Usman's dominance. Yep. That's the only time we've really ever seen Gilbert Burns handled, if you will. Other than that, I mean, his ground game is impeccable. His strike game is impeccable. He's the best of both worlds. He can take it to wherever you need to go. And I think he's one of the most underrated fighters, period. He's going up against Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad, three losses on the card, but let's talk about a guy with heart. Bilal Muhammad's got heart and then some. Once again, another good striker, another great on the on the ground guy. This is 
honestly one of the best matchups we've seen in the UFC in some time. And I just wish that these guys had a full fight camp. Although it'll be interesting because I'm with you. I think this is a number one contenders kind of match. One of these guys is going to get a shot at that welterweight title, I believe, coming out of this match. However... I would like to see this ran back no matter what happens after that person either wins the belt or doesn't because I think you could get a good trilogy of matches between these two great fighters. With that, honestly, man, Bilal Muhammad's had a couple struggles lately, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think Gilbert Burns is going gonna, is gonna to upset a lot of people, including Vegas, because I do believe Bilal Muhammad is your favorite currently. And uh, I, I think Gilbert, I'm, gonna, I'm not betting against Gilbert Burns. He's coming off of that high of putting down Jorge Masdaval and making him retire, taking no damage hence yeah. how he can fight uh you know not even a month out and uh i think Bilal muhammad i don't know if he's ready for the combination that he's going to get from uh, gilbert burns but that's taking nothing away from muhammad i expect this to be a great fight looking at their records uh for Bilal muhammad 26 professional matches a record of 22 wins three losses one no contest currently on a four fighting four fight win streak beating sean brady by tko vincente luke uh steven thompson and damian maya all by unanimous decision uh, his last non-win was against Leon Edwards, which was a non, uh, no contest. That was an accidental eye poke. So if you want to go to his last loss, that was actually against Jeff Neal at a fight night on January 19th of 2019. Flip side, you've got Gilbert Burns, 27 professional matches, 22 wins, 5 losses, currently on a two-fight win streak, beating Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision, and Neil Magny by arm triangle choke submission. Uh, his last loss was to Hamza Chemeyev uh, by unanimous decision in April of 2022. Uh, listen, nothing against Gilbert Burns, but Bilal Muhammad is clearly on a roll that I think you take out the Leon Edwards fight. Uh, it's a roll you don't want to necessarily be in front of because that's a boulder going downhill, folks. Uh, I'm going to take Bilal Muhammad in this one. I love this fight. I could not be more ecstatic about this fight. And by the way, it is five rounds. They both asked for it. Oh, shit. So let's put this in perspective. They both asked Dana to make this five. Dana has agreed. So this will be a five-round main event. Muhammad is a very underrated fighter, and he has been somebody that is in that Leon Edwards frame to where he is not going to come in and cut a crazy promo a la Conor McGregor. He's not going to be somebody that's going to do anything super flashy in the cage. He's going to go in there and just really be solid and steady no matter where the fight goes. On the other side of the cage is someone that I agree with Rich is arguably the most underrated fighter in the UFC and probably the most, I don't want to say disrespected because I don't think that's the right terminology, but I don't think he gets enough due for what he does in the cage. And that's Gilbert Burns. Burns is known for his jujitsu, but he has found striking. And other than the Kamaru Usman fight, he has looked absolutely phenomenal. And I think that he's coming in with that chip on his shoulder because Colby Covington was awarded the the title shot against Leon Edwards as it stands right now. This could be card subject to change. I just want to put that out there. But I think Burns came in pissed off. I think that he made a statement win against Masvidal, who, I mean, let's face it, Masvidal is on that back end of his career, nothing against him. But I think for who wants it more, who's hungrier more, who has that, you know, if we compare this to Rocky, the Clubber Lang mentality, it's Gilbert Burns. And I think the fact Burns asked for five rounds after just fighting Masvidal said, I don't care when, I'll fight whoever to get this shot. And Muhammad said, I've been sitting here waiting for somebody to come and step up. Let's do it. This proves to me that this winner should get the title shot outright 
There is no, I'm sorry, I, I think I made it very clear on, on previous episodes. I don't think Colby Covington is worthy of the title shot at this stage. He hasn't fought in over a year. He's had two title shots against Usman. Couldn't cash in. It's Usman. I understand that. But still, you've been there. You haven't fought in a year since. This is the time for the winner of this to get that shot. And in my heart of hearts, I think Gilbert Burns has taken this. But this is going to be a split decision. I, I think it might go to the decision. Let's also point out the fact that Mazdaval was a decision, a unanimous yeah. decision. So that means it went three five-minute rounds. And the man is still ready to go less than a month later. Also, you know, I, speaking of Blah Muhammad, one of his strengths is one of his negatives to me. He, he's a guy who takes a fight whenever he can take a fight. And that's why he's gotten he's, he's amassed some, some great wins. But when you look at it, the only losses in the, last, in the same time frame for – uh, Gilbert Burns is, of course, Chimaev. Mm-hmm. No, no disrespect there. And Usman. That's yeah. it. And Chimaev was kind of debatable too. So going back to 2019, same same time frame. Gilbert Burns, you know, he's lost two instead of just one in that same time frame, but to two top tier fighters. Yeah, like to two game changer fighters in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Muhammad doesn't have those on the list, and they serve, and they both have wins over uh, Thompson and Maya. So it's it's it's. I guess this could be a great fight. This could be a fight of the year candidate. No lie, like yeah. honestly, that is how strongly I feel about this fight. And it's nothing against Muhammad. Like I could see him winning, but I just think that Burns is just on that different mentality right now. Like I say, comparing it to Rocky, it's, it's Clubber Lang. Like he is just somebody that I think just wants that fight so badly that he doesn't care who he fights. He's going to step up and just leave it all in the cage. And I love this. Well, yeah, I think he just knows his time. It's He wants to be remembered. Yeah, absolutely. But that is not the main event. The main event is one that is generating a lot of headlines. Pad? That is for the UFC Bantamweight Championship where Aljermaine Sterling is defending his title against Henry Cejudo. Yes. Henry Cejudo, former flyweight champion, former bantamweight champion, uh, is now returning. Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist, thank you. (laughs) Is returning to the cage after retiring to take out Aljamain Sterling, one of the most polarizing fighters in all of MMA, who won his fight uh, against Peter Jan to get the title, albeit it was a disqualification for a low knee shot. Uh, when, well, his knee was on the ground, and he took a knee shot to the face, and uh, yeah, it's a disqualification. Yeah, and there's been a lot of uh, drama after. I understand Sterling uh, has fought since and retained, but still a lot of drama coming Lots out of, of that ducking. one. Yeah, a lot of uh, quote-unquote ducking. Uh, we'll just kind of put it at that. But Cejudo has stepped up for this one. Sugar Sean O'Malley is rumored to be the next recipient of the title shot. And why? Because reasons. Yeah. Who is he beat? And I'm sorry. I like, and, I, and this coming for somebody who likes Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Who is he beat? It's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing going over uh, what we were just talking about. Like, it's, it's, there's no reason for him to get Tosha. No, absolutely. There, there is no logical reason. And you can't tell me there is one other than he's a, a fighter that is on that hype train. And we have seen this time and time again in the UFC when these fighters get on that train. And they either turn into Paige Van Zandt or uh, Sage Northcutt or, you know, sometimes you get a Conor McGregor. Like, sometimes that happens. But with Shane O'Malley, I'm sorry. I don't see that how he gets the title shot on this one. I really don't. But that is going to be something the UFC is going to have to explain after this one. But 
Pad, you got the stats all lined up? Yeah, so for Algermain Sterling in 25 professional matches, 22 wins, 3 losses, currently on a good God, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 or 9 fight win streak, uh, beating the likes of TJ Dillashaw, Peter Yan, Corey Sandhagen, Pedro Munoz, Jamie Rivera, Corey uh, Stamen, and Brett Johns. Oh, by the way, you should mention Peter Yan. He beat back-to-back times. Uh, his last loss was to Marion uh, Mar- Mar- Marlon Moraes, excuse me. Uh, that was in December of 2017. Uh, flip side, you've got Henry Cejudo, who in uh, <clears throat> uh, 18 professional matches has a record of 16 wins, two losses, currently on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 fight win streak, uh, beating the likes of Dominic Cruz, Marlon Moraes, TJ Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson, Sergio Pettis, and then uh, Wilson Reese. Uh, his last loss was to Joseph Benavidez via split decision uh, at the, the Ultimate Fighter Tournament of Champions finale on, remember where you were? December 3rd, 2016. <laughs> yeah, pre-podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this. This is two people that I have no love for at all. I don't like either one of them. I, I'm serious. Like This is mm-hmm. the biggest heel fight for me. I don't like either one of them. With that being said, I only respect one of them, though. And that is Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo is a real fighter. He's a real deal. And Aljamain Sterling got himself back to do a corner where he had to take a fight. And Henry Cejudo, being who he is, knew that it was time to say, oh, I'm going to cash in and regain a belt. I think this is going to be, honestly, if if Aljamain Sterling wants to earn my respect, he has to bit by Henry Cejudo and convincingly. Mm -hmm. Not one of these fucking, oh, it was a close decision or a disqualification or some technicality, you know, really weird judges card. I don't I don't want any of that anymore. And that's the problem with his title ring. Whereas uh Henry Cejudo, uh, I'm pretty sure he's gonna finish him. I'm 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 saying this ain't going past the second round. Pad? Double knockout. That's where we're all winners. (laughs) Oh, we all win. We all win if that happens. I'm going to just say this. Sterling, I have not been impressed with since he's had the title. And for various reasons. I don't like how we've uh, had that perception of dodging and stretching out reasons we're not fighting. for. And like I say, it's just been drama with him. And it hasn't been the great thing. Like I say, the perception that he had a neck injury, but he's out partying. That just kind of said it all for me. Just saying. You could go through the the time since he won the belt and and all that, and you can, like I say, make your own opinions of him. I have never been really impressed with him, but you got into a situation, much like a Charles Oliveira, albeit though, like I say, very different in fighters, that he won so much he had to get a title shot. Like, you couldn't deny him that. But since he's been champion, I haven't seen anything that says, like, he's a dominant champion he's going to retain. Henry Cejudo, I'm not a fan of. Like, he is who he is, the king of cringe, I believe that was his, his gimmick. That at is one his point. gimmick. Still. Yeah. But I'm going to say this. So Hudo is going to grab him and either do one of two things. He's going to lay and pray for 25 minutes, which will make this even worse, like the worst possible scenario you can imagine, or he's going to knock him out in the second round. I'm going to say in the second round this fight's done. And I think Sohudo wins outright this is not going to be any question mark i think he's going to come back he's going to work his wrestling sterling has decent jujitsu but listen Sahudo's wrestling i think is going to cancel it out and i think he's going to get in some problems when they get down on the ground could sterling get a knockout or something yeah absolutely he has a puncher's chance but i think unless he does a masvidal ben askren type knockout i'm sorry it's going to be a wrap 
I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to be Sterling's going to be dumb enough to try to take Cejudo to the ground. And Cejudo's just going to, okay, play right into it. Because that's, that's what he wants you to do. Yeah. Like, I'm, so far, we have not seen anybody be able to dominate Cejudo on the ground. Yeah. I mean, he is the guy who beat Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. That's all you, that, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's all you need to say. Like, you, you beat the GOAT. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, Cejudo has my respect for that. Granted, I don't like how he created a character after that, but still, that, that's a whole other ball. I don't like him. Yeah. But the respect is there. He's a great fighter. Yeah. And the scariest thing, too, if you want to talk about respect, Cejudo opened as a dog. On the Vegas line. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah. Like, now I'm looking at UFC.com, and he's a minus 115 to Sterling's one, minus 105. So they're both, like, it's it could go to an even line very, very short. I don't understand how that's even possible. Yeah. That's I, how you know Vegas doesn't know how to score MMA. Exactly. But I tell you what, I think Cejudo wins, and I think if Sean O'Malley is, is, the, is the next contender against him, oh, just imagine that first takedown. I'm sorry. Sean is a charismatic fighter. He's a he's a Sean's character. Sean's gonna go to throw throw a jab, and he's just gonna throw him to the ground, and that's gonna be that. Yeah, you're you're gonna see a uh, Matt Hughes, uh, Frank Trigg, running across <laughs> the cage slam knockout in that one. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna call that right now. Saved you a click. Just gonna put that there. But the fight card is very very solid, top to bottom. Too. I know they've had a lot of uh, injuries as of late. Bryce Mitchell is out. Five cancellations. Yeah, so we're not going to break down the rest of the card, but I'm going to say this. It is one to watch for the main events alone. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you got a fight of the year candidate with Burns and uh, Muhammad. So definitely make sure you check that out and hit us up on that hashtag and let us know your thoughts going into the fight weekend for that. Before we go, Rich, why don't you let our listening audience know where they can find you? Well, first and foremost, I should say, if you want to hear that wrestling talk, uh, 607TWS this week, uh, the three of us in the room, we're going to be recording that and uh, breaking down the uh, WWE draft. Yes. So then talk about AEW ticket sales, because uh, we got the pre-sale sales now for uh, the Big Wembley show. So we're going to be talking about that and so much more. So pro wrestling action, check out 607TWS. I know you can find it right uh, through the ODPHpodcast.com. Uh, but if you're wanting to find me and any information about the 3FN Podcast and what we're doing, 3FNPodcast.com. All the links are there, including the social medias, T Public link, the uh, link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month to get a ton of extra bonus content. Uh, plus, you help support everything we do. Of course, there's links to 607TWS, the 3FN Podcast there. You can stream them right from the website, as well as links for ODPH Podcast, musical directories and sponsors, and so much more over there at 3FNPodcast.com. Of course, this past week, uh, we did an older movie. Yes. 30th anniversary anniversary of uh cliffhanger and and, and caused the sequel to be and we announced. caused the sequel because we, after we recorded they announced that it's in the works which we did talk about how it was supposed to be in yep. the works back when the movie happened and then again in 2008 so now in 2023 it looks like we're gonna get uh the dam yeah <laughs> i don't know if they're still going with that idea but that was the idea originally pitched so uh, check it out we're making uh waves of course diesel's delusion is in full kick right now because of that yes and this upcoming <laughs> week if you join in this upcoming week the uh, 3fm movie club review will be guardians of the galaxy volume three yes so you definitely want to make sure you're subscribing to everything they're doing over at the 3fm podcast it's always great to hear that content each and every week and i say this as a paying patron i could have got it for free but i turned it down because i truly feel like supporting the brand for what they do over there. And it is by far and away the best deal on podcast Patreon. He's not just the president. He's a client, folks. Exactly. Thank you for coming on the show. As always, we love having your football takes on this. Woo! For the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it sweet for anything and everything that is the ODPH. You can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for listening to another edition of the ODPH Podcast. My name is Ken M. We'll see you next time.
down to the punch Cause they can't bring me 